0: big titty goth girls at 45 frames per second
1: alloy drops off the battle bus in sony's next partnership with fortnite
0: <laughs> oh boy the in betweens shit that we say i just curse too but you know what life goes on the, the stuff that we say in the in-between when the intro is rolling is it's gold people
1: honestly we can create a $50 a, a month patron tier and you guys would get your content out of that all you get is that you get yeah. that little
0: interstitial that you don't normally get to hear
1: <laughs> but uh welcome everybody we're trying square to playstation podcast this is lucky episode 208 this is led by good old brett beck And alongside me is Saul Bridges. (laughs) And uh, yeah, you can find out where to find us uh, and uh, other fun information towards the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of cool stuff to go through this week. Uh, Stuff with Resident Evil, stuff with Fortnite, obviously, as you guys both heard of those in uh, the intro. But also, you know, stuff with Subnautica. So just stick around to the news segment and uh, we're going to get it started off right. Brett, you've been on vacation all week. We record early last week for last week's episode two hundred seven. I have. What have you been playing this week?
0: Almost exclusively Killzone Mercenary, but but I also did finally nab that FIFA fifteen platinum while I was on vacation. Nothing like a good vacation platinum. Congratulations! Um, thank you. I also started at the behest of one Richard, um, who you may know in the Discord as Radio Race. Uh, he so kindly. Shot me the money in order to buy it because you know he's a big proponent of mobile gaming, and Saga Frontier, the Square Enix R- uh, PS1 era RPG, mm-hmm. uh, is it recently came to not only consoles but phone as well. And he said, you know, uh, he said if I if I shot you the money to try this game out and 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 play it and beat it or whatever, would you? I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. And partially because I've never played the game, but I remember hearing about it and i've seen stuff about it off and on so i've been playing that on my phone i'm decently far in i don't necessarily know an hour count i don't it's hard one thing i've never really thought about is since you use your phone throughout the whole day right. it's a lot harder to gauge how long you spent playing a game on a phone for me partially because i'm not used to doing it so being on my phone feels different whereas i can pretty roughly guesstimate that i spent about two and a half hours playing Kills on mercenary yesterday
1: yeah, I can see that because it all blends together. But on
0: phone, I I genuinely don't know how long I played the game yesterday. If I had to really wager a guess, may, maybe three hours? And what is the game called? Saga Frontier. And it's Saga Frontier Remastered is the one I'm playing. What kind of game is this? It's a PS1-era turn-based RPG. It's got some interesting mechanic switch-ups, though. So, you know, in a lot of RPGs, you carry with you your damage from each battle into the next battle. And this one... There's a bunch of different systems that come together. <clears throat> First of all, your party can go front or back, and you can stack them in different ways, which changes who they can hit and how they, how they can hit them with certain moves. The real interesting thing within it, though, is uh, so in a normal RPG, you take damage in a battle, you go into the next battle. Like Let's say Pokemon or Final Fantasy, whatever. You take your battle, and you, you battle, you take some damage, you go into the next battle. Your damage from the previous battle is still there unless you've done something to heal. In this one, after every battle, your person fully heals. But if they die within battle, they lose what's called an LP, which is a life point, which is separate from hit points. Okay. So every character has a set number of life points. And every time they die in battle, they lose a life point. And that carries across the entire party. And eventually, if they run out of life points before you can visit an inn, you just can't use them anymore. There's no way for you to heal them or bring them back with items. It's exclusively you have to go to an end, rest, and then you have the ability to bring them back. So that's been kind of interesting. I don't think you level in the traditional sense. Like you don't have a level, but you definitely gain stats from doing grinding. And interestingly enough, normal enemies level scale. So when you're going through the game, if you choose to grind and you go and look at normal enemies, they actually get harder the more you grind because the game accounts for that. I hate games like that. I both like it and hate it because I think it definitely makes the game more replayable or playable past the initial story. Because it keeps the challenge. It's kind of like why games like Skyrim, initially I wasn't a huge fan of it. But there's something about the way Skyrim works where if every enemy just suddenly got super easy, by the time that you do everything the game has to offer, you would be blowing everything away in a power fantasy. Which would be fun for a short period of time before it kind of got like, I'm destroying everything with one hit. This is no longer really that fun. Whereas instead, Skyrim will still let you get perks and whatnot that make you feel powerful but they bring the enemy's bottom line uh, you know bottom line up to where you're not destroying them in one hit typically
1: yeah but at the same time i feel like games like that every time you try to progress through it just feels like it's hit sponges it's not bullet sponges but i
0: mean it- yeah you're not entirely wrong and it does feel like I guess what makes it weird is where certain enemies it feels right, other enemies it feels wrong. It feels like, why can I not destroy a goblin in one hit?
1: Well, see, and I just, I prefer where they take a area and base a level in each area. And that way you can, A, know where you're heading in the right direction or know when you're heading in the right direction because stuff is killable but maybe challenging. Yeah. But then if you're heading in the wrong direction, they're just going to one shot you. And, um, but something really cool is, um, Oh, man, why am I... I can't, I can't think of the name of Octopath did that. Kind of cool. Where it's like, I'm not really supposed to be here right now because these enemies are super strong.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know because I didn't play enough RPGs in the uh, PS1 era. I played plenty. It's where I got introduced to the genre. But... Was that a more common, was that a thing in those types of days? The reason I even say that is because I've always viewed that as more of an MMO trope, and not in a bad way, but MMOs were typically the thing of like, you'll know you're not supposed to be here because the enemies are just genuinely higher level than you. It, and the enemies don't change their level. You level up, and then you can
1: finally work in this area. It wasn't common, but it wasn't uncommon, because one of the big things that Final Fantasy VIII gets as backlash is the fact that it does that, because six right. and seven did not. Yeah, uh, you're right. It, it's there is no way to uh, absolutely do something to obliterate the game like you can in seven um, or six or you know any of them. I don't think any pre-eight Final Fantasy game things level with you. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been forever. Since I don't I, think
0: nine levels with you either.
1: It's well, seeing I haven't played enough of nine to know. But nine it, more traditional. It's been forever since I have played two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Um. So that there is just. Game Boy Advance era of the last time I played those games. So I'll tell you something about this that I think
0: may slightly change your opinion. Again, slightly. I guess I should somewhat go back. Enemies don't level scale with you as much as the encounter as a whole scales with you. So uh, a good example is like you run around in an overworld and you'll see the enemies and they bump into you. You load into a battle. Segment, You know what I mean? So what happens is, the higher level you are, the more chance that every encounter is going to include multiple enemies right. that are of higher levels. So it's not like you see Little Green Man, and Little Green Man's actually harder. Green, The Green Man that you've always been fighting is actually pretty easy, and I can normally one or two hit them. Whereas... If I go into the battle, and you have a chance to flee at the start of every battle, it'll say either start battle or flee. So if you see it and you're like, oh, this is too much for me right now, you can just back out uh, from normal encounters at least. Of course, story ones you can't flee. But <clears throat> story ones don't scale in the same way. Okay, that's a little different than I think. Story, to, ones, to a degree. story ones, I think they still do scale to some degree, but they don't scale to a point of like, oh, you're supposed to beat this. It's almost like you can grind in order to pass the story, but you're not going to grind in order to pass side quest side quests are going to get harder or going to stay as equally challenging as they would have from moment one, maybe even potentially harder. Cause now you're having to deal with enemies that have a much better move set. So whereas at the very beginning of the game, you can go into this bio research lab and I got a party member out of it, but I ended up grinding in there on accident. By the time I was leaving these scientists I'd run into, normally it was just them turning into creatures and you just fight the one creature, maybe two, by the time I was getting out of there there was multiple creatures with huge ones that take, you know, eight turns to kill because I had been grinding, but there are new creatures in that encounter instead of it being that same little monster's that same monster is easy to kill, but now there's three other ones that are much harder. Whereas before it might have been one or two monsters max. So it's kind of a weird hit on that, but I think it works. Um I'm curious to see how the game goes off. It's got some kind of cool stuff, though. It's like a you kind of morph into a hero suit, and uh, at least my character. I'm playing as a Red. And he's got a transformation called the Alkaiser transformation that you can only hit when you're down to low HP or you're the only person in your party left. But it's kind of like a Hail Mary that lets you come back and completely restores all your health and you get new movesets. Uh, out of it but it almost looks like a Kingdom Hearts armor moment you know where it's like you slap it on and you kind of got this armor with a little helmet with pointy things on it
1: yeah I think I saw that when I was looking at the game yeah. because I was looking to see if this is another because it is Square Enix and Square Enix has this really bad habit of this ugly remastering filter they put on games and I mean filter in a very broad sense here because they, they the, the remastered character models for any game they've ever done is just garbage compared to the originals they don't spruce up the originals it's like they almost like put a weird 3d animated object in it and it just doesn't fit um uh,
0: if you look at the
1: original for this and you look at what they did I it's did. really close it, it is closer than normal it, but yes, it's still, cause like final fantasy f- the little button eyes and everything like with little shiny dot in them yeah
0: what is it final
1: fantasy 6 that the, has an android remaster that's just hideous there's a lot of them with... with um, it, might, it might be three. Uh, there's a lot of them with, uh, with mobile remasters, and yes, that is it, and yes, it is ugly.
0: See, I don't know. That Alkaizer transformation is cool, though. It's a, good, it's a cool setup. Yeah. And it's a very is- interesting. I mean, the game's got a lot of interesting tech in it, and it, it does a lot of things that work... I, I don't, when did it come out originally? I think it's almost 20-something years old, if not already. So when did it originally come out? Because I think it does a lot of stuff that, it came out in 97, okay, and then came to North America in 98.
1: That's the perfect example of how the, these remasters work, and just make the pixel art more vivid. Don't just get rid of it, or make it a blurry mess and kind of meld it all together to make what the character kind of looks like. To me, Like I don't like this design. I I, I actually love pixel art. There's definitely worse examples than that. But that's still not great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not the same as this, though. And when you remaster a game, not yeah. a remake, but when you yeah. remaster you're, a game, you're right, yeah. and you change that much, to me, it's just... I would prefer it just to be cleaner pixels. Like, I really hope... Nintendo does this thing like where they do with like the the mini SNES and NES where they do like a Game Boy Advance or something and then they have like Emerald and they keep that same art style but it's just more vivid, clean pixels. You know what I really like is when
0: games actually set up the idea of like we are going to remaster it and the remaster is going to include a new take on what we can do with this to some degree but we're also always, always going to have the ability to play it with the way it originally looked. Um it's something that I could be wrong too, but I don't think it is. It's something that would have been cool in Demon Souls remake too. Like, hey, if you want to play Demon Souls looking exactly like it did, then you can. Technically you can. You could throw the um the old filter on. But all that is is like it changes the, the color grading and lighting of the game to look more like the original, which is something, but I think that, you know, one of the things I always thought was really cool about ew,
1: okay. that's from the app store. That's like that's from that's what Final Fantasy Six looks like on mobile from my phone. That's it's it, it's not the worst, but it's it's not the same. It doesn't look like Final Fantasy VI at all to me. Yeah. And and Saga Frontier definitely does it better because the, the original art style kind of works. I think with the it original well. art style is actually closer to this to begin with. Yeah. So it, it, it's still that it's still a weird, it's like a clean texture but it has no texture if that makes sense or it has no depth or anything it's sure. very interesting. yeah whereas the actual original pixel art has got a lot of shading within it yes it's where
0: a lot of this they just use shadow it's just not grind. even on the thing but just shadow around stuff. it's weird it's yeah. different. um you know what, what's kind of cool about saga frontier though that i'll say is i think it was doing a lot of interesting stuff that we're seeing kind of come back around now um it has like eight different protagonists or maybe seven that you can play as and every protagonist has a completely different storyline uh and how they intersect with each other to a degree and i think that that's kind of cool because if you look it's kind of like what you get out of like Octopath traveler and it's similar in the sense that most of the characters that you can play as you meet in the game so even though i'm playing as red i've got like i got almost all the party members you can get i was going around traveling and seeing where i could find what and i run into them, and you can go ahead and get them in your party so it's kind of similar to the way that octopath does it where it's like you start with one character and by the end of you going through you're going to play every character's thing and that's a little different because octopath kind of switches the perspective like you actually play as the other character whereas this you interact with the other characters but you're still in your own storyline if you want to play the other character storyline there's a lot more replayability because now you can go through and like i'm gonna play the whole game as loot now and figure out what loot story is and you get a different backstory and. It's kind of like the main story still somewhat ties together. Right. But it's completely different because of the viewpoint of why they're doing what they're doing. Whereas
1: Octopath kind of did it all separately. Yeah. and you would experience all of their stories. Yes, yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's similar but different. And, I mean, that seems like a pretty ambitious game for 97. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, you're not wrong. That's, that's what I love. I was actually looking at it on my phone to see if you could actually get or actually what the remaster looked like. But that's like Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger for was it 94 that were 95 that Chrono, Trigger, yeah, came Chrono out? Trigger did a lot of that, um, that game did it had an amount of story depth that was unheard of in a game at that time 95 yeah um so it's just absolutely crazy
0: yeah you know it's it's interesting the one complaint I think I will have and of course it doesn't really matter to me because Richard was nice enough to literally just send me it um Money for these remakes is really interesting. Yeah, like because it, this is $25, and if I'm being honest, I think that's a bit much.
1: So, for me, it, it's all about the way that it, the game is preserved. See, it's it, it almost looks the character model looks like a Game Boy Advance character model, but it, smooth.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it does. It's weird,
1: but, uh, uh, but
0: you know, it's I mean, it's interesting. It's like I said, it's uh, it's doing well, and the way that it, you go through all these different things, it's fun, but. I am stuck at the part right now where I just can't beat this boss. <laughs> Different uh, area than I was stuck, Richard, because I know I was talking to Richard about having some issues in one part. But, I mean, it's it's a challenge that I'm, I'm okay with. Like I'm, I'm having a good time.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, though, this week, I have not played a whole lot. Um, I Sunday night won't – or, I, no. We recorded Saturday last we week. We recorded Saturday,
0: and I immediately left after we, yeah. you left. <laughs> I
1: had to go drive for – So Saturday night I started back on Monster Hunter Rise um, after a couple day break and started the Gun Lance, which is one of my favorite weapons in the world and have been playing through with that and on and off all this week and just climbing more and more in terms of like uh, getting into six star missions and stuff like that and grinding monsters to get cool armor and armor sets for it so that's what I've been mainly playing. The other game that I I tried out because I bought it because I've heard all this good stuff about it, and that was Disco Elysium. Oh, yeah. And I just did not enjoy it at all. Um, it has this very classical but clunky control scheme where you control your character with the left stick, and there are items throughout every room you have to investigate with, but you have to use the right stick to highlight them. And you can stand in like the center of the room and highlight most of the objects around you if you're close enough. And then you have to press X, and your character will walk over there and investigate with them. But that doesn't work like you have to press x and then a little yellow x pops up on the ground which is like you I, I, don't, I can't tell if it's telling me to stand here to access it because my character will walk two or three feet and then stop and i don't know if it's a glitch i don't know if it's just clunky i don't know and i was so thrown off because people were saying that like i'll, I'll give it this people were saying that the writing was really good and the writing is phenomenal but there's too much of it <laughs> like
0: i've heard it's very dialogue heavy it is
1: it is like playing um oh what is that game called that has like 3000 lines of dialogue in it that that you're surprised that it has um it's a dungeon crawler um not torchlight not diablo not divinity um, pillars of eternity. Oh yes, it's it's like that.
0: Where <clears throat> that game was super verbose. I, I constantly, I was like, dude, yeah. get to the point.
1: I have I have a pet peeve of mine in a game when that made
0: me quit playing the game.
1: Well, this is <laughs> this this right here was kind of taxing, and it might have been that I wasn't in the right mindset already because I was having a bad time with the controls. But one of my biggest pet peeves in a video game is when I resume control of a character walk or do something for less than two minutes. And then it's back into a cutscene of something. And I'm like, why give me back control? That's kind of how this game does a couple of the dialogue scenes, like where it's, you have like an inner monologue going on with your head and you have like D and D style skill checks that you could do to investigate, you know, more of your mental health and past stuff. Yeah. But does like that game just takes forever to get me to that point. Because it's like I'm investigating this room and then I'll start inter-monologuing about something and then I'll stop inter-monologuing about it and then I'll go try to investigate more and then I'll start inter-monologuing again. I'm like why like it's just going and but don't get me wrong the quality of the writing and the voice acting is is amazing like that all that that in itself to me is like already a 10 out of 10 it's just the the gameplay that carries you to those moments is something i'm not fond of
0: well and it's it's no combat which is really interesting for anybody who, who doesn't know this and i'm not don't wrong i don't know a ton about the game uh but th- what i hear from everybody constantly is that it's it's a very different type of game because it's not based around combat it's almost like original point uh point-and-click adventure games where the goal isn't to kill things it's kind of like puzzle solving and figuring out things together now question for you excuse me because i know you played it so day of the tentacle remastered right uh i guess i should say this let me go back on disco elysium am i am i understanding correctly at least this is the way my brain's taking it whenever you walk into a room you move the right analog stick and at almost like a radial, it'll just highlight something as you move it around. Yeah. Or I, is it more like day of the tentacle where you have like a hand and you drag that hand no, around and okay. it is,
1: it is, it is more of a radial and you have to move it into the direction of where the item is. Like you can't just circle. And you like, got to hold it too. Probably. Right. Or can you just move it? And then you, I think you could just flick
0: it over there and hit X to select. It. That's good. Cause if you had to hold it and then still try and hit another button to activate yeah, it, I'm that pretty, would be a pain. In I'm light.
1: pretty sure you could just highlight it and then hit X. Um, but you have to be precise with it. Like, you can't just go in there and spam, like, spinning this, your analog stick around to select items. Yeah. You have to, like, go in there and look around and start hitting your analog stick in different directions to find these items first. Or at least that's how that's how it is with me. Okay. But I put my complaint into uh, Discord, and our good buddy, uh, Sean, uh, a.k.a. cold he said, it should automatically walk you to the correct position if you are out of place, but the method you're using is the way I'm doing it. Definitely clunky and often doesn't always work every time. So, hopefully, there's more patches with a smoother ride. And then another one of our Discord buddies, um, SZ982, says it helps if you hold down the X button instead of just pressing it. I typically just walk up to it myself, click the right stick, to the highlight, and then hold down X. 99% of the times, I have no issues. But there's nothing in the game that tells me to hold. Yeah. You, you're finding this all out on your own. And not saying that's like a bad thing about it, but. I, I think I that's arguable. I mean, I, I loved you need to at least for, tell me how
0: to play the game. Yeah,
1: and for something this in-depth, because this is a very, very in-depth game in terms of your character and your character sheet. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's pretty much all I've been playing this week. Nothing really new other than that. I did redownload Days Gone, and I did download Subnautica. Uh, I
0: re-downloaded Days Gone as well.
1: Did you really? Yeah, I, re- I redownloaded it today, actually. I was sitting there, and... We're going to get into it a little bit, but one of the developers said something that kind of pissed me off, so we'll get into that. Maybe. I don't know if you have that in the news. Uh, I don't. But But we'll talk about it. But we'll talk about it. I
0: think I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Um, Though I
0: think that the way this is the – and it's true of even what we talked about last week. The way things are reported – uh, definitely gives a bias to the way that you're supposed to take that information. Right. And as someone who watched the actual interview where the thing in question was said, if it is what I think it is, then
1: I don't quite agree with the way that the article is presenting it. And, but, that, and that's a problem in itself too, but it yeah. also could just be a problem in the, in his message. Could be, his yeah. Message could be fine, but the way he said uh-huh. it is what's off putting.
0: Yeah. Now um, it's interesting because you know, you know, you like downloading days gone again. And of course I'm downloading days gone again. And this is, i mean this in more of a joking way than it, some people are probably going to try and take it but i was already in this nostalgic playstation mood right where i'm like there's so many games that i love from old systems that i haven't played in a long time and i get this way occasionally and i'll just replay stuff it's why i replayed stick of truth yeah and more recently replayed a uh, fractured hole there are games i really liked and i'm like you know i just i want to play it again and that's why i got into the mood to play near automata again i was like screw it we're just gonna do it yeah um I was, you know, I was playing Vita, and I'm like, man, the is such a great handheld. I, I'm still so surprised by it today that it holds up as well as it does. And so I was like, well, let's play on Mercenary. Of course I started playing that, like I talked about. And I'm honestly on this kick where I think I'm going to keep playing my Vita a lot more. This sounds wild because I know that this is something I'm definitely afforded that others aren't. But I've, ha- you know, I've I've got a PS5 day one, and I've not turned my PS5 on for anything other than to watch HBO Max in at least three weeks.
1: Well, it kind of goes back to that conversation I was having with Corey of like, are you a Souls fan? Then the PS5 is worth it. But other than that, like I've been playing PS4 games. Like, I, 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 I occasionally play Breakpoint for a couple hours every week. That's I just don't mention it because... Now, of
0: course, playing the PS4 games on PS5 is a benefit. Because yeah. I'm like, going to replay Days Gone because it's been roughly two years. Like, and I love a ps patch for it. But that game runs at 60 frames per second in 4K on um, on PS5, so... It, it, yeah, that's actually awesome. That's, yeah, that's a, it's going that's a, to be a benefit for me. reason for me to replay it. But a big thing for me right now is honestly the games I'm debating between what to start next is like, do I start Unit 13 and play that with Chris on that, Vita? That's a good game. Because uh, I never did actually buy that game. I played the demo, that's um, a, the, but I never bought it. And, and it looked good, I just never got around to it. Uh, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about going back and replaying the whole Resistance trilogy. And it's my my joking thing is that partially I'm doing it because Sony just seems content with never doing anything with this IP. And another interesting thing about the interview with John Garvin, it was actually a talk about the way that old IP ends up working and how it's a challenge to bring it forward. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I love Resistance 1, 2, and 3, and I love Killzone 2 and 3. Uh, I've been playing Mercenary, and I was like, you know, there's so many games I could go back and just play again and just have fun with IP that not even from a point of being upset about it. It's just IP that realistically is very unlikely to ever see the light of day again. And at least in a game standpoint, I think what Sony's doing right now is using IP to create non-gaming media, which may be smart because maybe you can't satisfy someone's twisted metal pangs in a new game, but maybe you can give them something twisted metal related and play with the lore of twisted metal by giving a, a TV show that just has fun and ends up being a fun, crazy cars blowing up each other, you know, basically a Kong versus Godzilla, but for cars. <laughs> and of course that's fun. But yeah, I just, that's kind of where I was going. It's, it, it's a little bit of a joke, but it's like, if you so, and to play all the things that you don't really care about and days gone, at least right now seems to be in that case. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing to be able to say that I have a PS5 and I've used it for HBO Max for three weeks, but that's just where I'm at. And I I don't know. This is a genuine question for you, Saul, because I don't really know how you stand on this. You know when you're growing up and like your parents seem to only be, which thankfully my my dad actually wasn't, um, but you see older people and they kind of seem set in their way. It's like, I'm only going to like the things I liked when I was 20 forever. Well, they don't change. Yeah, and yeah. it's like I don't ever give anything new a try and like anything new. For a long time, I've always liked staying uh, on top of gaming because it's like I want to constantly play the new things and give myself that chance to like something new. And so far, that's generally worked out for me. Days Gone, fantastic. Horizon, fantastic. All this new IP, including things that are smaller like Plague Tale Innocence and stuff like that and Greedfall. But... At the same time right now, as much as I normally am like, I'm to always play newer things and try and keep up with it. Right now, I seem pretty content to just literally kind of go back to the glory days. Yeah. And the thing about the glory days is that they're never as actually great as you thought. But nostalgia is, uh, <clears throat> as they say, nostalgia is the good version of PTSD. <laughs> I saw that the other day. I was like, okay, I guess so. <clears throat> but, yeah, I've been... I don't know. It's weird, because I want to play new stuff, so I I know that I'm not just putting myself in a corner. I do it with music, too. I want to listen to new music, so I'm not that guy who only listens to the stuff he listened to when he was 18 for the rest of my life. So
1: for me, it's kind of like that in a way, but I think it's more so of, I was grateful enough to have a very broad upbringing with video games, and I mean that by... The first two games I ever played were Super Mario All Stars and A Link to the Past. So a platformer and a, an RPG. Yeah. And then quickly after that it was like trying to comprehend Chrono Trigger at that age. And, and failing. Did and, yes, I do it too. And stuff like Star Fox and then eventually a uh, Ocarina of Time, Goldeneye, uh Banjo kazooie There's all these like there's all these like kind of genre changes that go from first person shooter to a puzzle game to an RPG. Um to a platformer. So I, and I've always kept with that throughout all of my gaming life. I've always appreciated each of the, almost all the genres of games. And for me, what I end up doing almost subconsciously is taking breaks from those kind of games. So I haven't played a multiplayer gun-based shooter in like months. Yeah. And that, that was one of my favorite genres. And I've been kind of thinking of like, what kind of multiplayer-based shooter, like kind of, do I want to play? Like, do I want to re-download Modern Warfare? Um, you know, I want something with some depth, a good population to play on, where it's, it doesn't take forever to find a server and and, and just have fun with it. And I don't really count Breakpoint as that because I've never. I've yet to play with somebody and I've yet to play online with people or the PvP portion of it. I've just played.
0: Is there PvP in that game? Yeah, there is.
1: It's really weird (laughs) to have. I've never played it, but. I didn't know if Wildlands had that. I really expected it to just be a uh, co op more than anything, you know? I still think Division had the coolest version of (laughs) PvP in a game like this, but the coolest in terms of, like, the story, the Dark Zone. Sure. But, but, yeah, like, I always end up going back. and, And what's interesting is. I go back to a genre, and I end up crashing myself out of that genre months later by playing it the, only that. And I and and I say that, and I phrase it in, a, in almost a negative light, but in reality, I enjoy doing it that way because when I go back to it, I'm inevitably more appreciative of these games because I haven't played them in so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. And that for me is right now. Like I said, going to like first person shooters and stuff like that. And eventually, I'll get tired of playing, you know, third-person RPG games. So I'll stop, you know, playing Monster Hunter or the Soul series for now, and I'll go mm-hmm. into something else. But it's, it's just it's weird kind of flippy floppy design that has evolved with me.
0: Well, I did that with puzzle games recently
1: because you know when I was at the end of my
0: platinuming run, I really just didn't know what I wanted to play, and it turns out that. Platinuming puzzle games is fun. Yeah. So I did that. And I was having a blast because I was like, man, it's been so long since I've really played puzzle games that are not games with little puzzle sections. But like all out, the whole point of the game is solving puzzles. And I had a blast of that. But I played so many in such a short period that I kind of don't want to play any puzzle games for a while. Yeah, um, And I even kind of point and click adventures are just obtuse not even in a bad way uh very strange examples of puzzle games those are
1: hard for me to get out of no what do you mean like those are hard for me to like once i start playing them it's hard for me to get out of that kind of genre oh yeah it's 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 like the witness kind of took me over for a while so much that like i was playing it on my wife's ps4 with her and we were just sitting there playing it and there was a time in which Three or four days a week, it'd be like three or four hours of us just sitting there trying to figure it out. And I didn't want to play anything else because that's how I get captured by puzzles. They like, grip I you, I've
0: got to finish this puzzle. You never played it, I don't think. Uh, but I know that you know about it. Uh, the Talos Principle? I actually played that on PS
1: Now recently. Oh, uh, dude. It's been a couple months back. That
0: game is that game was entirely that. I could not stop playing that game, and every day while I was at work, I was like, "Can't wait get to get back home and just I, play the Talos Principle." I don't know
1: what it was about Talos Principle, but I actually experienced some pretty bad input lag on it, and screen mm. and like screen artifacting, and I really? don't I don't know why. Like I I, I literally booted that up. No, I played to that game on PC because I got it for stupid
0: cheap. And I regretted not playing it on PS4. I wonder how much that is on PS on PC. But now. maybe that's what it is. I can't speak to the PS4 version of the game, but the game ran really well for me, and I was playing at 60 frames per second the whole time.
1: Is that is that game on PS4? Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't know if that
0: was on PS4 or PS3. Oh, did you stream it? Yeah, on PS3. Oh, yeah, you can download it. Okay, if you're going to play it then. on PS4, you should download it. I could see input lag being a problem, because that game's oh. got some pretty... Cu- that pretty, um... game's still 40 bucks. Ooh. See, I got it for like, seven ninety nine years ago great game though I think it was free on p s plus at one point but if it's on p s now, just download it and see what it does i wouldn't stream it uh, that game actually has some pretty Quick fire moments where you really need to be on top of it. it yeah, I don't think that's like would... Portal Two. You know, Portal Two's got some pretty like, oh yeah, you really need to be on top of this. There's Speaking some... of which, did Portal Two run at sixty frames per second on console? It seems very unlikely, but I don't remember where I played Portal Two at. I think I played it on PC. I played it on PS Three. I know that, uh, but I'm a little curious because uh, that game felt really good to me. But I don't know if it ran at sixty frames per second or just a really solid thirty. The Talos
1: principles on on Switch what yeah i did not know that what does that look like it's actually twelve dollars on ps4 right now i canceled my ps now membership well there you go dude the game is so good and it's got
0: a really cool story surprisingly yeah. you wouldn't think so but it, it really it's one of those um it's not super on the nose but you can figure a lot of it out by just paying attention to the game it's also 740 not on sale on the switch what <laughs> i have to imagine what does that game run like on switch though I have no clue. I wonder what it runs like on PlayStation 4. It looks really good. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that looks better than I would have imagined. That game is really cool. I kind of want to replay it. What is Wheatley doing here? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like I said, it gives you a lot of Portal 2 vibes, and the puzzles are really good, and they make you think very oddly. Uh, Also, you know how Portal 2 would have, like, the way you'd, like, jump out and throw... You have some of that on here. You don't use a portal, but there's things that will throw you across the map, and you have to be super precise with where you're landing or where they're going to land. Hmm. Very good game. I love it. If you've never played the Talos Principle and you have any inkling towards puzzle games, it's a highly recommended game for me.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's hop in the community's take because daddy's hungry. Let's hop into it.
0: Uh, so we kind of have two, but we're going to start with the initial one. Uh, and that one was... Uh, Saul actually hopped in and, and handled that for me because I was reeling back from vacation. I was very tired. <laughs> were you
1: even back in town?
0: I, I was, but barely. And that's why I was like, I'm just gonna call. I'm gonna see if Saul doesn't mind doing it.
1: Yeah, like, I didn't have a problem doing it. I, I'm like, I was like, I'm glad we figured out when we were going to record last night because I was like, we might not be back to like 9 p.m. on Sunday. That could be a problem.
0: No, I'm. I was good, but I vacation traveling does weigh on you. Uh, anyway. Saul says, um, with all the rumors, news about The Last of Us remake, as well as Days Gone sequel not happening, as far as we know, at least, how do you feel about this? Are you excited about a remake of The Last of Us? Do you want to see a sequel for Days Gone? Let us know. And Got a uh, lot of responses. We, got, we did. Liam over here said, I would rather hand wash my dirty socks than play The Last of Us, and I would definitely love another Days Gone. I miss the zombie hordes. I also miss the zombie hordes, and I think it's the one thing that really made it stand out as a zombie game. Even though... World War Z came out very close to it, and it was built.
1: But then again, different game,
0: multiplayer
1: shooter, like team shooter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, speaking of going back and talking about, we get really tired of genres, and then when we go back to them, we appreciate that much more. For the longest time, I think this is like 2010 to 2012. Blaming, I was sick of zombie media. I was sick of like all this stuff. But now I'm ready. There's a new movie coming out with. Dave Batista in it, and it's the day. Oh yeah, uh, the, uh, the
0: one that uh, Zack Snyder's doing. Yeah,
1: and dude, it looks phenomenal. And I, I watch it, try it. I'm like, you know what? It's been a while since we had a good zombie movie like this. It's honestly
0: been a while since we've had like a realistic zombie movie. We got in that weird period where Boop. they were making zombie movies, but doing them differently, like that World look. War Z. Well, World War Z was there, but even that's been a little while. There was that Warm Bodies movie or whatever. It was like a that zombie was before World
1: War Z. Was, was it? it? Yeah, I'm I could almost be wrong. certain it is. That's a good movie. Uh, I, I've heard.
0: Uh, but that was that weird. That was 2013. And then World th- War Z was, was, was like
1: 2016, I think.
0: I thought it was like 2014. But t- 2013, same year. Oh, okay.
1: Two, two zombie movies coming out. But yeah, movie.
0: even then, for a while, right, you have that thing where it's like, people are getting tired of zombies. How do you make it different? Well, you make a love story about a zombie where he has to turn into a human because of love. Yeah.
1: Which it, is cool. It was a charming movie. It was. It wasn't yeah. like an Oscar award winning movie, but you know.
0: Or it, it, from what I've heard. I haven't seen it, but I actually have a little bit of interest in, in watching it. But yeah, um, it had been a while since we've really had a lot. I mean, like, what's the most recent zombie movie I can think of? Zombieland 2? Ugh. I didn't watch it. So uh, I really don't know. I
1: do. I can't even think of one. Yeah.
0: So no. zo- zombie media needed a break, but it's coming back around. I'll tell you, I was sick of it because the 360 generation was so heavy with zombies. Uh, and Was it? it? Definitely towards the latter half. But you had Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. Those were massive games. And I should say zombie games that hit the mainstream spotlight. Yeah. Uh but then you had PS3 games like the little uh, uh zombies must die and stuff. You had like a lot oh, of yeah. arcade style games that were zombie that. driven. That Plants was where Plants vs zombies. zombies started. You had uh um Dead by Daylight? No, that didn't start in PS3 I don't think. It no, might have, no, no, but it, I think it was early. It it but didn't. it was That's not zombies either really. Dead Island. Dead Island. Dead Island started and then Dead, Dead Island Riptide came out uh of you had other stuff i mean that was a
1: zo- it was really heavy but but and then it f- kind of backed off but to be fair i think that the fatigue for me did not come from just games it came from mm-hmm. zombie media yeah it was like comics even it was yeah it was like walking dead was getting big um zombie movies were coming out left and right zombie books were coming out zombie games like it all just meshed together and it just was like ah I'm so sick of this uh Blake kiki on, real quick kiki oh, if
0: you're listening i picked up that rainbow rainbow sherbet like uh we talked about dude it's delicious i'm let, finally drinking it
1: let me see that can real quick i want to see if it's the same nutritional facts as the bat powder is but uh blake one of our patrons on a uh, discord he says he 100 percent agrees with liam and he goes on to say that he thinks it's stupid of remaking such a recent game and it makes absolutely no sense there are many old playstation games that deserve a remake That's my biggest point of all of this is that why I'm not a fan is that they're in order to remake a game. It has to either be a very long time and that game's not accessible on many platforms or there's a core problem wrong that they're going to fix or, or core problems.
0: So let me find where it's at, but we do have one specifically aimed at that view of it. Can I have the rest of this? Yeah, go ahead. I'm thirsty. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go run and find it real quick because just while we're on the topic of it, I want to bring this up. Uh, And it's in relation to – and we brought it up last week, so it's not like it's – we're not aware of the fact that this does go on. Um, But it was in regards to the remake for – Demon's Souls, and the argument behind Demon's Souls being another PS3 era game, whereas uh, The Last of Us was also a
1: PS3 era game. But I think there's two
0: very different things here. We talked about
1: that. We We did. I I think I did, at least. I specifically said that The Last of Us has already been remastered.
0: Yeah, well, here goes it. So it's, it's Josh Farmier. He says, I'm going to be the odd one out, I assume. I don't care about either game, so it doesn't matter to me. No one had outrage over the Demon Souls remake, and yeah, that's 13 years old, but still not that old. And on paper, I agree that it doesn't sound that old, but 2009 and what that was for that generation and also how low-budget... Demon Souls was. Demon's Souls was a game that wasn't really supposed to come out. Sony kind of last minute came in and saved it. Um, had a lot of issues. They didn't even get to finish the game. That's actually why there's that broken lodestone or whatever it's called. Um, so when you look at it from that standpoint, Demon's Souls had a lot of issues. It was never that big of a game when it first came out. And so it had a very limited audience by uh, by nature of that. And I think that it came out at a point in time where yeah, you could look at it and say that was the same year that uh, Uncharted 2 came out. And Uncharted 2 was a really big push for PS3 games and what that generation had, graphically and mechanically speaking. But a lot of Demon Souls was dated and low budget. And I think that there was a lot more of a reason to go and look at that game, which was bland as all get-out visually. I love that game. But super bland, ran very poorly uh, on PS3, it had frame drops like crazy. Yeah. Um, and it had very little textures. It was again. It, it was a game that had to be saved versus a game that was hyper polished, a triple A game through and through, huge budget, sold crazy well, had a huge audience, and then saw a remaster on PS4, and then not only a remaster on PS4, a but a patch, PS4 Pro or a PS4 uh, Pro patch, patch, and then an update on PS4 again to give it better load times um, for the PS5. For well. Even the PS4. If you play the game on base PS4, the load times dropped dramatically, which we assumed was uh, they changed the way
1: they handled compression. Well, I thought Naughty Dog said that was, that was all mainly for the PS5's load oh, times. Oh, the
0: PS5 is just going to benefit even better, but even a base model PS4 with an HDD, the load times dropped by like 30 seconds. So, so point this, being, is,
1: this is a big point here I like to make with this. The, the, the Last of Us could have launched on PS4 and been fine with how, the, with how high quality of a game that was. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's the state it launched on a PS3. That game was, like I said last episode, pushed the hardware to the PS3 to the limit. And Demon's Souls did nothing of that. On top of having a sleuth of glitches and, and performance issues. And this... I, I feel like I need, I need to remind people of this. This is coming from someone who will still say that The Last of Us is in my top 10 PlayStation games of all time. And I'm just like I said at last episode, I'm not saying I'm not going to play this remake if this is all true. I'm just saying, like, I'm just more frustrated at why instead of something else like something, you know, we haven't seen in forever, siphon filter, you know, we, a new kill zone, a new resistance, stuff like this. Like this, th- I I feel like that this is just a waste because of how good the original Last of Us was already. I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like there's a need for this at all, but well,
0: and you get into this weird thing, right? Where I think sometimes games are, uh, the best way to say that games don't necessarily, there are games that come out that don't sell really well initially, um, that end up becoming culturally significant to gaming. And there's more of a reason to bring them forward because they were, niche games when they came out. And now let me say that there are two strong examples uh in my opinion. Uh the strongest example is the one that we've already got a remake for, Demon Souls. Uh that game did not sell super well. It sold well enough, I suppose, but it definitely didn't do the number Sony expected and that's also why Sony passed on the sequel because they even at the time didn't realize how important that game was going to be and then we see that same formula get used but refined in dark souls and then dark souls goes on to basically become a staple an almost a genre of its own like you do with you you look at all these games that are metroidvanias and there's like oh yeah you look at castlevania and metroid and so many games have used that layout that they own their own genre now uh that's that's basically true of Demon Souls. So that game had a significant impact on gaming culture that is continuing to be seen, but that game, for some reason, didn't really benefit from that. It had a cult following, and now that game came out on PS5 and has sold more than it ever did on PS3. Yeah. Just because of that. Absolutely. Now, did. a good example of a second that I think is lesser, but it still does come into...
1: I think I know what this is going to. Near.
0: Yeah, The first Nier was a critical failure. I mean, it did not review very high. It ran kind of poorly. It didn't sell very well. It was the death of that studio. And what are we seeing now? For all intents and purposes, they're calling it a new version. It's kind of in between a remaster and a remake. Um, but we're bringing that to a new audience because that game didn't sell well, but it was culturally significant in a way that led to the ability for Nier Automata to exist and the automata blew up and that game comes out this week
1: and i'm so excited I'm so excited too so man. excited <laughs> so
0: but that those are why i think that there's a difference between it the last of us has sold multiple millions of copies across multiple platforms uh and there's a really interesting answer to this that someone put on there um I guess while we're talking about it, I'm going to go over to it real quick. Uh, it's Shafedog, uh, one of our patrons over on the Discord. He says, Does Sony think The Last of Us has the appeal and longevity of Grand Theft Auto V? It's a great game, don't get me wrong, but I don't need to see it on its third generation of consoles. I'd play Days Gone 2, especially after they worked so hard to fix so many launch issues, and maybe they have a better grasp on what they want to accomplish now. That's now, a the first part point. of that is kind of what we we're talking about. Ultimately, and this goes into one that I want to do from Chris, the reality of it is, like we said, a lot of people would play this. It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto V. I think some people are actually a little annoyed that that's going on again. Yeah. But more so not because of the game itself. I think it actually speaks a lot to the argument we're making. It's that why are you spending resources at Rockstar to bring this game to yet another generation of consoles when they're already backwards compatible and they can play the games in perpetuity um, with servers and everything up. But why are you wasting resources when a lot of people want to see Rockstar make more games? So people are like, why don't we get a new Grand Theft Auto instead of just milking more Grand Theft Auto five. And I get it. You know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Why is Sony spending resources on something that they could be doing something else with. Now, of course, like we said last episode, The Last of Us remake and Days Gone 2 have zero connection. They don't matter with each other. The Last of Us remake can happen and Days Gone 2 can re- can happen. They're not either or. It's not one studio who's doing that. But it's still a show of if Naughty Dog has a second team working on something... Why waste that on a remake of a game that's already sold really well and has continued to be playable on PS4?
1: That's my argument. Meanwhile, all, all Rockstar pretty much does nowadays is Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto. Exactly. At, at least they're working on one of their core games. Yeah. And it may not be the single-player DLC everybody wanted. It may not be Grand Theft Auto 6. It probably is. But... It's that they are they're kind of wasting more reset more resources doing it this way, and I know it's not a waste because they're going to yeah. continue to make this money, but it's, it's going to make a lot of money
0: it's what it is is that it feels like you're spending resources not wasting you're spending resources on retreading because you know it's a safe bet, which is kind of the crutch of the argument against Sony there is that they're moving in a way that I, no one can blame them for they're moving in a way of wanting to make more money and mm-hmm take less risk because they need the money that comes from the sales of the one game to fund the next game. That's understandable. And to that degree, Chris over here on Facebook says simply the last of us is a good business move, whether you like it or not, having a box with the full, the last of Us" story so far on shelves for the TV show is the right move. Also, are we really going to pretend that the last of us with part two's graphics isn't incredibly appealing? Stop right there. He has more of course. And that's why we said last week we would absolutely
1: play it. Uh, Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not going to play this game. But it's just a very weird and hard to agree with decision to make that yeah. this is a thing.
0: And he says, Days Gone 2 would be wonderful. Chris is a huge fan of Days Gone, so just throwing that out there. Yeah. As someone who says Days Gone is far and away the best PS4 game with mass appeal, otherwise it's Persona, then Days Gone, Ooh. I'm not surprised it's not getting a sequel. Um, and I'm I'm going to say, too, it, I guess I was surprised that it's not getting a sequel because it was a game that sold better and continued to do better. The longer it was out um, to me, it kind of reminds me of uh, what is that game? But there are games that have existed where after they've been out for a long time, they end up getting a lot of goodwill and people playing them through. And then a sequence upcoming because of that. And uh they they saw such a big uptick whenever the game joined the PS5 PS uh plus collection. The, uh, the uh, and then they've also likely, this one's not proven yet, but they've likely seen a large uptick in players as Days Gone became a PS4 PS Plus game this last month Yeah. or this month actually. It's it's ongoing right now. Um So I think it's one of those things where it did surprise me. And I think the fact that the game sold well was profitable. The argument for a lot of people is it does feel weird that a risk adverse company would not take the lesser risk, which is expanding something that had a decent foundation into something that could be a big uh, franchise. I think where a lot of disappointment comes, and I should clarify mine real quick. It's not that I think Sony's doing the wrong thing here. I don't. I actually think that realistically Sony is probably making the absolute best decision from a business standpoint that they could. And they need to make money. And they don't have the throwaway money that, that Microsoft has. That's just the reality. So they have to be way more particular with what they spend money on
1: because games are getting more expensive to make. But I think and I think the crux of the problem here for people to remember is that we're not necessarily dogging just the remake alone we're dogging the fact that bend is court is is cannibalized for this and is, we don't really know all that and i and which is why we, we said we this is rumors um, yeah
0: but it does feel weird and I, like I said last week it feels so weird to me to say that a company who made days gone that you viewed as not good enough is getting to work on a new ip but that new ip is probably contingent on a lot of things it needs to be greenlit uh it's probably somewhat contingent on them helping with other things, but we don't know that. Uh, But what I should say is, and then I'll just go on and we'll we'll grab a couple more and then go through the news, but I am not bemoaning the business decisions that need to be made for Sony to stick around because that's realistically what it is. And if I want to continue being a PlayStation player, to some degree, I've got to let them make some decisions that I personally don't don't agree agree with. with. But uh, I'm bemoaning to a degree the potential, and again, potential, because we don't really know, that sony might be actually i can say this with absolute fact sony is not the company right now that they were when i fell in heavy love with them in the ps3 era you know a lot of people view ps2 ps2 is a great console and i played a lot of it and i loved it and i played a lot of ps1 but i didn't have a lot of money so i skipped out a lot of games ps3 was where i really got solidified in there and they made a lot of really great games that did not sell big. Games were cheaper to make then. They were also in a position where they needed to make games that made people buy their console, even if they didn't necessarily make money themselves, like the game itself. As long as they were getting consoles out there and getting that third-party sales money, it was worth it because they were so behind 360
1: at the time. And at one point, they were losing money on not only console sales, but game sales as well. They were making very low. They were The profits were pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a game like Uncharted that took
0: a lot of money to make, releasing on a ps3 that didn't have a big install base uh that game probably ended up being profitable in the long run but initially that game was probably a a loss leader because it was like but we have to make this game to get people to buy our system and then it exploded which meant every sale
1: was a loss technically
0: yeah but what i should say is across the board i liked sony when they were making decisions and going we have to have games that are compelling and i i just wish Uh, compelling regardless of if they're going to be huge in the market. And I am going to somewhat miss that if we don't see them push that, like we kind of are right now into a different sphere. I would like to see it be more internal because I think they have a little bit more control over it and, it's weird, but basically, as much as Destruction All-Stars is an interesting game, I think it's overpriced, and it was an, it's a game that's dead pretty quickly. I mean, if we're being honest, as much as I'm glad they let somebody make the game, who talks about that game now? I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure people play it, and that's cool. But it's just I I think Concrete Genie is still being talked about more. And it it was recently free, so that helps. But so was (laughs) uh, Destruction All-Stars. And I think more people are talking about Concrete Genie than Destruction All-Stars because it's a more interesting game. Yeah. And it was a small game. So, uh, But enough about all that. I just wanted to kind of specify what it is. I'm not – you know, I'm going to keep playing PlayStation for now. At least we'll see if they make decisions that make it worse for me, but
1: um, this podcast will be over. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to get with what I think is the most, like it's the most supportive and yet important one off of discord in terms of this decision. And that comes from a patron named rude days. 93. He says there's a plethora of other games on PS3. Many of which are about to be lost forever that need remakes over the last of us. And another thing to think about this last gen, Naughty Dog released only two games and if their resources are now going and this is it. Po- wait. And if their resources are now going to this, is it possible that we only get one other game from them in this gen? Um, I guess it, it's possible. I, yeah. It is possible. We've talked about this before and it's not something I necessarily love, but these big AAA games from Sony first-party studios typically take 2 years to 3 years on average. Some of them have a little bit less than 2 year window. But if you want a big blowout AAA first-party studio game from Sony, it's typically in production for a while. And
0: well, and I guess just to clarify real quick, yeah, I don't want to interrupt you, but I think it's important right there is the big sequels to Sony games typically take a roughly three-year window right about now and that looks like it might be getting longer Uh, but if you look at a game like horizon zero dawn came out in 2017 and we're still not in the sequel now the sequel is a ps5 game which means it needs more development time and it's also a ps4 game so now we're kind of seeing what if if horizon doesn't actually release this year which even if it does we're looking at a four-year window between releases yeah
1: and and which you, is long.
0: That's, that's longer than it used to be. Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, much smaller scale games in all fairness,
1: each released one, two years apart from each I was other. Say, wasn't it like one year and like 11 months? I mean, yeah, it something like that. dang near two years. Yeah,
0: and, and then a bigger game, scale-wise at least, um, like Infamous 1 to Infamous 2, that also was, a two-year window yeah, with say, a huge quick. jump up. So... Development's taking a lot longer, but, you know, new IP takes even longer. So, Clarified, yeah. I said five years. Apparently, Days Gone was right around six years of development, but
1: Horizon Zero Dawn was around five years of development. So, it's it's just a long gap. Um, and it's kind of a pet peeve of mine as well, is that, like, you play a game, the game's over. It's kind of one of the critiques I had about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was, like, how long between part one and two? Because so far, we're going on over a year right now. Well, right, right around a year. I mean, yeah, because we just had the, the anniversary. Yep. Yeah. So we're we now officially over one year. We have not gotten a trailer for part two. Granted, we have side content coming, which I would rather have part two than side content.
0: Me too, The honestly.
1: side The side content could come at the very end. It's like but as like filler to fill in stuff between parts. They did it with Final Fantasy fifteen. I don't know why they don't do it now.
0: Oh, yeah, like release the whole game yeah, and, then and let they that do, be. Oh, yeah, this is what was going on in during, between. These yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I'm, so I don't know why they didn't do that with this it's kind of odd of a choice um, <laughs> Rob Henry this is I guess the last one we'll get off discord he says I love Days Gone with that being said I'm not upset at the fact that there might not be a sequel Ben can work on other IP and he says Siphon Filter would be great but a remake of an 8 year old game come on they're trying to hype up the TV series and then copy the success of Final Fantasy 7 let it go I don't like because Chris did this too and Rob did this and I wish they were wrong, but I have a feeling they're not in terms of the whole reason for this is for the t v series because a if the t v series does not do good, then this was all for nothing and b why are we getting to a day and an age in which we're remaking media to hype up a sub like a um a subsection of the other media back when like Jurassic Park Two came out, they weren't remaking Jurassic Park one. Or they, they would just simply, hey, Jurassic Park 1, you know, get this cool uh, popcorn cup at Blockbuster now. Uh, yeah, they free. would normally do that. Like, they, they would, would they would re-release it. Tie-ins.
0: You know, like if it's been long enough, they'll be like, oh, here's Jurassic Park 2 and Jurassic Park and 1 gets t- a
1: director's cut. They could totally do that. They could do a cool collector's edition bundle of of Last of Us 1 and 2. $80. So some kind of cool price. Steel book. Um, and then some other cool things. And then like a deluxe version of this bundle. And then they can market it directly next to the show.
0: Without I, having to actually spend resources. That's why on I'm doing kind of things.
1: hoping that this is kind of a wrong assessment, even though I have a feeling in the back of my head it's not. Because well, it's make, it makes
0: sense. It's just. Interesting, interesting thing that could somewhat look at this, right? And it does depend on the quality of the final thing. But if y'all remember, they actually held back the release of Ratchet and Clank on PS4 in order to coincide with the movie. Yeah. And the movie. Was a little pushed, so they held the game because they wanted the game and the movie to be uh, synergistic. And if y'all remember, the game did really well. The movie did did really bad, and that's that's. And so it goes to show that. I don't know. I think it's probably the right idea to try and approach these things from a synergistic standpoint and get carryover from people who love the movie but maybe never played the game. So they decide to buy a PS4 and then play the game. Or they decide, in this case, with The Last of Us, to buy a PS5 and then the game. Or even a PS4, I guess.
1: Can't buy a PS5 right now.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, then again, we don't know how far out the show is. Maybe by then it
1: will be. Um, I would guess... I, 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 oh, I'm i gonna guess something I keep saying guessed I, I would guess something real quick it is Sunday April March 18th um, 2021 we are just now getting casting choices we got Tommy over the weekend uh, I would guess that this show is out come next summer because if they're just now releasing casting choices they have not started uh, principal photography or production
0: yeah uh, it's starting filming date was uh, was release though it's going to let's see i didn't know that. cameras are set to start rolling on july 5th of this year and are scheduled to wrap almost a year later on june 8th 2022.
1: okay okay so i lied let me i'm not gonna predict summer of 2022 i'm gonna predict winter or spring of 2023 winter would be great winter of 2022 try or spring of 2023 pull
0: into probably the best part of that whole game which is the winter
1: segment <gasps> they're gonna film in a big studio they're just gonna make fake snow
0: oh no i'm saying that uh releasing in winter would be cool because it's, it's kind of like how you say when you want to play the last of us in the, in the winter
1: it's well no it's in the fall oh sorry facts straight. sorry sorry for those that don't know i i am very weird i like to think of some games as seasonal plays and i'll play them in that season and last of us one is fall and it's favorite game to play in the fall
0: so i want to get a couple more real quick off of um twitter No, go Facebook. I'm going to go Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, so real quick on Twitter, just someone here, Exploding Platypus says, I want a Jack and Daxter sequel instead of either, and we'll get into that in a little bit. A (laughs) a
1: remake of Jack and Daxter or a sequel would be fantastic. I would rather wreck a remake, though.
0: Okay, so Mark Schutz, which is interesting. He's a big Xbox gamer, and he's been listening to us for a long time. Uh, thanks, Mark. Appreciate you. And he recently became a patron. Thank you, buddy. He says, um, even though I never got into The Last of Us, remaking it seems to be excessively milking the game at this point. And I think there's a fine line between what the core people who see what you're doing feels like milking, and then the more general audience who maybe didn't play The Last of Us. And so like, oh, I can play a new version of The Last of Us. There's a disconnect between us and the people who this is probably really made for, Um But I get that people who are pretty tapped into the gaming, it feels like milking it. And that's probably true of Grand Theft Auto V. There's probably people who have been hearing about it, and now that it's coming on PS5, they've never played it, and they go, okay, well, I'm getting a PS5. I guess I can play Grand
1: Theft Auto V in the best possible way. We've talked about this before, though, on how marketing typically does that for that exact reason, and it almost never benefits them. It is very weird. Now, what do you mean by benefits? In terms of sales or what? Well, it's it's very weird or it's very uncommon for a company to – I don't want to say pander because I hate that word. But it's very we- uh, uncommon for a company to pander to a – it's another term I hate using, but a lower common denominator. Mm-hmm. And and with only that in mind, and it worked out well for them. That's why you see some, some people will like – some companies will be like, this is the perfect thing for you guys, the casual – but the casual people don't care they're going to do it no matter what cuz they're casual. They're not they're not they don't care. And that's the thing is with how with how long the last of us has been out I would be shocked if the people who played it for the first time on PS4 remake is a lower number than the people who play it on the first time on the PS5 remake. I would bet you money that that when the when it came out on PS4 you're going to have more people playing it then than you will when the PS5 one comes out. Yeah. Not saying and I'm not saying sales or whatever. I'm saying for people who have played it for the first time. Yeah.
0: Which is arguably the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Now, but it's also because you have a built-in audience of people like you and I who realistically would, pay, uh, would buy it and play it. Now, the weird thing about this, I don't think I'd actually play a Last of Us remake day one unless there was just nothing else out. Would you pay $70 for it? I don't think so. See, that's if I'm a, being honest, because I, I already have a version that I know is good. Yeah. That I know they haven't changed anything on, and now we, the argument becomes: Do they change something outside of just graphics and maybe small gameplay mechanics? No.
1: This is where this is this is this is where you're going to get to my I'm going to say pet peeves for like third time this show. My pet peeves of remakes of stuff. If you are remaking it, how faithful can you stay? How faithful can you stay? And when you start adding in new stuff, I said this last episode. If they start dilly-dallying around with stuff that they retconned into to fix the retcon and make it canon, stop. That is my biggest... I, I can't tell you how much um, Star Wars did this, where they retconned something in the third movie uh, of Rise of Skywalker. and Or no, they retconned something in, in The Last Jedi, and then they mentioned it in the book of The Rise of Skywalker, that, that that it was now like this, and it was like that you're doing nothing but confirming a retcon that doesn't need to be confirmed. You retcon it, let it flow. So here's the weird thing about that
0: is for people who are playing The Last of Us One for the first time and then going The Last of Us Two, if that's ideally what the goal is here, like you know Chris says, having the entire story game wise on one system. So if people are playing it for the first time, and I right. specifically mentioned that target audience. If they play The Last of Us remake and then they play The Last of Us 2, that just feels way more connected and to them. And they don't get the disconnect that you and I may have had being like, that's not exactly how the end of the first one goes, but we yeah. know you're trying to do something. Well,
1: that's, so we'll forgive it, but it does feel a little more odd. That's the problem, too, is that it, come, it comes down to the core story-making decisions of the second game of, well, we're going to kind of change how the first this part of the first one happened a little bit, just very minorly but in a very big way for our story. But then now when the remake comes out, we're going to have to fix that in the first one to make it fit the story better. That should never happen in a story. You should never have to do that. And you may may disagree with that, and that's fine, or you may agree with that, but I don't ever think that if you write a story out that it's planned in such a way that you have to go back twice technically at this point to change something that you did. Now, it's your story. Do what you want with it. I'm not saying don't, but I'm just saying that for me is not a preference I like. There are book series that have done that and they've done it in really bad ways. There are video game series that have done it in really bad ways. Star Wars kind of did it with the movies. It's just... It feels so unnatural and it takes you out of the actual story because at that point you realize, oh, yeah, a human being in my world wrote this. This is not what this game is telling me as a story in this world. Yeah, sure. And it takes you out badly. Okay, I wanna,
0: I'm going to grab two more on Facebook because okay. we, we do got to get going. Yeah, um, one, I'm someone we don't hear from a lot, so I wanted to grab his. Uh, Jeff Schrock says, I think remake, oh, yeah. remaking an old uh, an eight-year-old game is stupid. That being said… I don't think anyone would turn down playing it again with better graphics and gameplay enhancements. My main issue with them right now is how they are treating their legacy titles. That's why I wanted to read this one. I don't care how old a game looks. If it's fun and brings me good memories and I'm going to want to replay it, For many years to come. I actually just bought a handheld PS2 since all my old hardware is starting to crap out on me, and I'm excited to get it. What is a handheld PS2? Uh, So there's actually a really cool video on it, and he ended up posting the exact video because I'd seen it before. Uh, It's pretty interesting. It's a big 3D printed case with some text shoved in it to be a perfect PS2.
1: Hey, do me a favor on that and play Nightfire 007. That's the best 007 game there ever is.
0: Now, that's a big thing, and I I, I do think that, that that comes down to people think, and it's very different resources. It's not a normal development team, but uh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, there is a sentiment amongst what people expect from Jim Ryan's previous remarks that he's not too keen on that. So if he, the big president of the company, is not going to want to do it, it seems unlikely that it would happen, um, which is a, va- a valid concern. The last one I'm going to grab over here is from someone else that we uh, don't hear from. Often or at least, you know, we try to vary up who we get stuff from. Um Derek Porter says, a remake oh, yeah. of The Last of Us is completely unnecessary. It came out on PS3, got an upgrade to PS4. It's an amazing game, but they need to move on. As far as no sequel today is gone, it's a shame. The game felt unfinished. So many different ways they could take it. A new protagonist, location, or place in time could work for a sequel. And uh, I think that's true, even though uh, the sequel, I want to say, was really setting up for Deacon. I would be curious to see, because that's it's always what I thought The Last of Us sequel was going to be, different people in that same world. That's,
1: that's always what I thought it would be, and I would prefer myself it would have been. It would have been so cool because this is a somewhat um, unused trope that they have for zombies where they're tech- technically not zombies, they're technically fungus or fungi, yeah. but it would be so dope to have two or three or one brand new character to this universe and explore this universe and hear about the the, the actions of Ellie and Joel, but you never meet them, you never see them and you yourself are battling your own story, that would have been so cool. I, I I prefer greatly if they would have done that, instead of what they did with 2. But, we didn't get that. Sorry. Yeah,
0: well, and people like this interconnected thing, and uh, so I feel like even if they did a second, with how, with how much Marvel's shown that people like interconnected media, I think that even if they did a game with separate characters, they would try and have our characters brush up against people from the first Last of Us, whether it be... It took place before, and we get to see Marlene and more of what she had going on. Um, Take place in the 20-year gap? Yeah, if it takes place in the 20-year gap, but with new people, and somehow they, they brush up against Joel. Or at the very least, I feel like they would try and be like, you hear people talking about someone, and it's very strongly alluded to the fact that it's Joel in that 20-year gap. And that stuff's fine. I don't okay. really mind that.
1: But w- I'm going to stay very far away from spoilers in regards of 2 for this, but I'm going to just describe something that would have been so cool. What if two was done with the protagonist? I'm going to be very loosely here, but you did not realize what it was doing until the very end. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would have been done so much better than what they did, and you still got the payoff. Yeah. You still got the emotional, the raw emotions from it, but it happened. At the end of the game, they they
0: halfway do that, but that's actually what it no, is because it's the halfway point. I'm really interested for you to play the game just so we can have a real long talk about no, it. No, no,
1: I'm ta- I'm not talking about the halfway point in terms of that. I'm I talking know, about what happens in the game. Yeah, I know. At an early versus, like you have no clue. This is who you are. Yes, this I know, is why. I know. I know. But that's one thing,
0: I'm, I'm curious to just hear you play about it, so not even necessarily on the show, I just want to talk to you about it, because we've had so many talks about Maybe the days. ideals behind it, because you know a lot of what happens, but you don't necessarily know the pacing
1: of it, the gameplay pacing of it, and all those things, I'm curious to hear you talk I about it. I have a hot take for that, real quick. If it's a first party Sony AAA game, pacing it's probably not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's one of the big things I'll say about Days Gone, as much as I loved it. slow Slow start. Slow start. Real I think
0: it earns that by the end, but if you can't get through that, then you just feel like this game is paced terribly. Which, arguably, at the beginning it is. And be vague, but
1: when when did you say that that game starts to really ramp up?
0: Depending on the player, because it's an open world game. Yeah, I would argue for In most story. for most people within seven to ten hours. Okay, so you, which is a long way into a game. So is that to be fair? Yeah,
1: that is uh, either at or after the clinic. Uh, or I say clinic but the 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 new settlement
0: oh uh, yeah 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 okay
1: either way that's um, why I stopped playing I'm gonna have to restart it because I didn't transfer all my saves over so I'm gonna have to restart and get to that which is a speed run I'm gonna do
0: yeah there you go Uh, real quick our second one, and we're going to be a lot quicker on this one because we still want to hit news, uh, but this is just something that was interesting. Uh, days 93 one of our listeners and patrons, he pointed out that uh, at the time, which was yesterday, today marks the 10th anniversary of PSN Hack of 2011 that left us without PSN connectivity for just short of a month. It was two days short of a month. Yep. Uh, were you, this is the question we put out there, were you a PlayStation gamer at the time? Uh, if so, how did it affect your day-to-day habits? Did it affect your confidence in the brand at all? Do you feel Sony did a good job, a good enough job, responding to the situation and making it up to its users? If you weren't a PlayStation gamer at the time, did you know about it happening? And did you think about it as you decided to dive into the PS family in the PS4 gen? Do you do you want that to be our community take? We can. I mean, we we already got some answers, but we didn't get a lot because it was
1: shorter. I uh, posted it shorter. We can do that as a community take. I kind of want to do that for next week's community take because that's actually a pretty cool question. Like
0: I, I, I would like to get more answers than we currently have. So yeah, yeah I'm we okay with have, that. what
1: is that for? Uh, yeah,
0: and we got and I posted on Facebook. We got a couple on
1: Facebook. We'll make that our community's take, and we'll just because that's in our discussion for Community's take, right? Yes. Well, so, it's in yeah community's take discussion. So we'll just keep that in there, and then we'll go off that. The normal communities take area than Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, cool. That's a good way because we also, we really do need to cut time. Well, no, it's Uh, not just about that, but I'm just saying that's a good,
0: I want to hear. Hidden benefit is all I was getting at. Okay. Uh, uh, It does help us cut time, but I do want more answers because I'm really curious to see people who jumped on in PS4 brand or PS4 era if they made a conscious decision to be like, I'm buying a PS4 and I'm getting involved in the PS ecosystem, even though I'm aware of the fact that anywhere from two years ago, Right. and I have, six years ago that they got completely, uh, or hell, I mean, 10 years ago, I guess, whatever, they got hacked.
1: I have yeah. my thoughts about it too because I that was something I actually considered. When you uh, when you bought a PS3? Because yeah, you bought a PS3 only, afterwards. Yeah, two years afterwards. Not only did I buy a PS3 afterwards, but it was still thought considerations that I used to this day going into the PS5. Yeah, it's so, something
0: to think about. Yeah, it has a big impact on people, I think. But we'll be curious to hear you guys' thoughts about that. So we're gonna go ahead and head into the uh, news. Hold on. What was
1: the what did they give you for free after? What was it was Uncharted? Oh, a bunch of games. Yeah, and
0: it's it, actually you had you got to get two games and you had to choose. There
1: was a list of games. Yeah, and I think Uncharted Two was the best one among all those.
0: I don't think Uncharted was in there. I think Infamous was. Was
1: Infamous is okay. That's what it was. It infamous, was infamous One
0: was in there. It might have been Infamous Two, but. One of they had a, a selection of games, yeah, and then some
1: what other ga- stuff. Well, that's the take, community's take. If you selected a game, what game did you select?
0: And I'm pretty sure you got two. You get to select two from a list of however many. And it was like,
1: hey, well, you know, what you're a just getting- w- wow! Well, thank you, Sony. What a $120 value for a month of no service.
0: Well, there was that, but there was a lot more to it than that. They gave everybody free PS Plus to make up for the time they didn't have if they, if they had PS Plus,
1: which wasn't a requirement. A $130 value. Let's get this value Hold pumped on. up a little bit on my
0: credit with- card that got stolen. <laughs> This was the craziest expense on there. Just so everyone's aware, I can't remember the exact longevity of it, but they actually had where if you reached out with them and gave them your credit card information and all that, hold on, hold on, hold on, not that, not that, so well, not that. If you, it wasn't even them. It wasn't Sony. They reached out to a third party lawyer and all sorts of things to where uh, it was basically like credit watching to where it's like if for any reason you had any issues or if you're worried about it for years to come you get this many years of absolutely free credit monitoring what did that
1: just happen with uh was it Equifax yeah it was the Equifax hack that like that they they give you like a free service which is a service you should not pay for by the way yeah like most good credit card companies do that for you yeah uh <laughs> um, yeah and and but yeah, like, but yeah,
0: Sony did it for that way. Even people with credit cards and debit cards and all things, you could go into it and it would monitor those things and see. It was cool. I, un, I mean, un, cool, in, cool in the sense of it's what you have to do in this situation. Yeah, you know. And if they didn't, I think there's a strong argument that they did not do the right thing. But we'll we'll see what everyone else's opinions on are on that. But before we get in the news, remember that this show is brought to you by us, us and you. That's always you. important, so we got a lot of new We got a couple of new patrons this week, actually, while I was on vacation. I got to see my phone got, buzz we, up.
1: We got a clever one that, <laughs> we think they're clever
0: yeah I'm curious what if it's completely they, they didn't think about that at all? That would be so funny, but we'll get into those yeah. uh, i mean we'll, we'll go ahead and actually say a big thank you. We got Bailey Robertson who's over on the uh, on the Facebook, and we also got Ham and Egger. if you were trying to be clever, you didn't quite get me anyway um oh man oh man post that in the discord if you're in our discord look at this picture of saul in the movie theater this is not me (laughs) anyway uh yeah the show is brought to you by you guys all these patrons that oh first of all it's brought to you by anybody who listens to this show i wouldn't do it if we didn't have a lot of people listening every week so first of all thank you guys for the extra people who go in and do the extra mile of putting anywhere from a dollar to some of you pay ten dollars a month thank you guys so much i mean really it's, it's awesome um But yeah, we have those two new patrons. We had some patrons leave, though, as well, which happens. Uh, We know that y'all are not an endless well of money. Nobody is. So for however long you stay, even if you're a patron for a single month, we are seriously indebted to you thank you so
1: much um yes thank you all i've said it before but the people don't realize the hidden cost of doing a podcast and i didn't when we started yeah that was that was like (laughs) we gotta spend 120 dollars again on what
0: yeah so uh remember you can head over if you want to be one of those patrons and get uh, cool little thank yous for being a patron you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month but Uh, The news is pretty interesting. It was a pretty slow week, uh, but we still pulled together the things that I think were interesting to do. So one of the big big things that actually did happen this week was the Resident Evil showcase that they had again. And despite old rumors stating otherwise from old Dusk Golem, uh, if y'all remember back, you know, what, six, maybe eight months ago, uh, he was saying that Resident Evil was struggling, Resident Evil 8 specifically, was struggling to... um, hit frame rate on PlayStation 5 and run at a solid resolution. And I think all of that was based on the fact that they showed an early state of the game, which did have frame rate issues. Right. Which is fine. It's an early state of the game. They're just doing their best to show it we now have from capcom confirmation that resident evil village on ps5 will run at 4k resolution with a frame rate of 60 frames per second when playing without ray tracing if you want to play with ray tracing that frame rate drops down a little bit to 45 frames per second uh, but they still know a resolution of 4k which is interesting i wonder if it's recompiled 4k or native Uh, ps4 pro fares well uh, at 4k 30 frames per second when on resolution mode or 1080p 60 frames per second on performance mode which is awesome that ps4 pro is still getting a 65 frames per second uh mode and lastly base model ps4 comes in at 900p 45 frames per second which is also interesting sacrificing 1080p to try and make the game as fluid as you can yeah and the bigger question with it being 45 i doubt it is that a solid 45 or is that what a solid, variable! What, you know? a, what a weird!
1: Uh, can you can you frame lock to forty five frames per second? I don't think you can. So on PC, you can you can kind of can like you could definitely set a frame rate cap and put it at a number. Most of the time though, it's thirty, sixty, one twenty, one forty four, two forty. Like you can't customize it. In, in a lot of the games I've seen, there might have been an instance where you can. But what a weird compromise! Like, could you not do just ten eighty p thirty? Well, you could, but I'm
0: assuming they want the game to feel as smooth as possible. And I'll tell you right now, as someone who's playing kills on Mercenary at roughly
1: 45 frames yeah, per it's second, a, it's, a, it's a big difference. It's a 50% increase.
0: Yeah, it's a big difference. And but, you don't realize how much that really can affect a game. Also, a few times when I'm playing the Vita for a longer period because of the fact I'm overclocking it to do this, I've had the, I've had the system just, I'm assuming because of thermals, yeah. completely lock up. Three times now. Oh, because it's bet. just like, uh, you
1: dial, dial back your uh, your overclock. I did a little bit, and okay. it still did
0: it once since then. And what, I've, what
1: gigahertz are you at, or does it tell you? Uh, CPU 444. <laughs> Actually, kind of impressive for that little thing.
0: Yeah, uh, the normal is um
1: 333, and you can do 500 if, if that's the holy crap one. So I put that picture of me in the in in Discord, and Chad said, What movie did you see? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's funny. Anyway, um, on
0: top of all that, PS owners were treated to a 30 minute demo of the village setting for an eight hour window on April 17th, which was yesterday. And we'll have a similar 30 minute castle demo for the same eight hour window on April 24th, which I think is next Saturday. um, if you plan to play the game outside of the PS ecosystem and want a taste, demos on other platforms drop on May 1st and are playable for 24 hours. Now, this is interesting because it's, I'm not surprised that PlayStation got um, early access demos. We already had the one demo. Um, I can't remember what it was called. You played it, I think.
1: Why did you do this to me?
0: I can't remember the name. Either way, uh, we had that demo very Window? similarly. Huh? Window? I don't think so. But we had the demo of Resident Evil 7 that was early access as well. But not only are they doing early access, they're doing limited time window early access. So you get to play a 30-minute demo, but you have eight hours to play that demo, and then it's just gone? That's what I'm understanding here. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. But that's what it seems like. And that's going to be true of the Castle one as well. And then even when the demo drops for everyone on May 1st, it's only going to be playable for a 24-hour window. Which is interesting. What, what do you think that is? Do you think that's like a uh, fear of missing out uh, style campaign where it's like they want everyone to come in and really hype the game up because they're going to want to play it? I don't know. To me, weird. you have to have a lot of confidence in your game to do this because I think by telling people that, oh, you can only play this for eight hour window, you're trying to make people think, oh, this is something I can't miss. And then if they play it and it just bores them a little, if it's anything less than super compelling, then I have the fear or the feeling that people would be like, this isn't really all that great. I'm just going to wait for a sale.
1: Well, Which Chad actually, I think, said on Discord. Yeah, I'm waiting for a sell on that game, too. Because it, what intrigues me the most about it is the nature of the house and the village. I want to see how well they transition those areas in the game. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. It's like you think to yourself, well, I have nothing to lose, so I might as well play it. But then you only have eight hours to play, which not every full-time working adult can do that. Oh, there's people who absolutely missed it because they were at work. yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know like what, what the point of that was. I, I, I genuinely don't. I, I, it's just a small one. Like Why not a 24-hour window? Because for me, if I am... Here's, and here's where they're missing the target, is the target audience. A demo. For those who don't know if they're interested in buying the game, why would a time limit make that even more because i don't really think that's for the
0: audience i think this is for the people that they're trying to get to buy at day one who just want to taste and they're trying to give them that little morsel and be like here you go two on that for a little bit day
1: one what are they gaining well
0: maybe they aren't maybe these are people who really are thinking about it and they're i I mean i don't really know this is weird
1: for me that's like i'm kind of thinking about buying this game not exactly on day one. A, a, an eight-hour demo is not going to be oh, I've got to get this guy to play it. Like, no. Well, there's
0: people that have that mindset, though. I know. Of, I know. Of, I've
1: got to play it. and I've got to try it. It's a weird choice.
0: Speaking of weird things, Aloy follows Kratos as another PS character making their way into Fortnite. Uh, whether this has always been likely to happen or it's happening as a result of Sony's recent investment in Epic remains to be seen. Of course, we'll probably never know that. But either way, PlayStation fans who want to keep seeing their favorite exclusive characters in the game or if you are a big Fortnite player, um, should be happy and should probably expect more. If I'm being honest, I'm genuinely surprised that Nathan Drake has not made an appearance already. I think he probably is the most immediate fit yeah. for that game. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, definitely since we're seeing Aloy and Kratos, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Gen Sakai, maybe even Deacon, if uh, Sony decides that they want to continue to do things with Days Gone with the PC version coming out. Also, that's something to say the pc version of days gone comes out next month i think may 18th uh, i could be wrong on that uh but that will be interesting to see as well and how much do they view that market as valuable like what if days gone sells uh five million units on pc what does that mean does that do they look at that and go these are people that might have liked this game enough to buy a ps5 if we if we green light a sequel let's go ahead and do it or do they look at that and go These are people who played this game because it was on their platform of choice and wouldn't immediately buy a second game, so it doesn't necessarily matter in terms of greenlighting a sequel for PS5 because these are sales that may only exist on
1: PC in perpetuity. I don't know. That's that's the question of the day, isn't it? Like, I'm
0: curious the the vertical slices they're looking at there. Like, how are they looking at that dollar amount and like how much does Horizon releasing on PC affect the way they view Horizon Two as a PS5, PS4 game?
1: Well, okay, we, and we always said this, too, is that it's not it's a great thing that they're getting cons- exclusives to uh, PC for people that play them, and then it's a New audience, it, yeah. it's an even better way to say, oh, this sequel's coming out, I need buy PS5. Why plan this the way that... Yeah, oh, dude, what a hit. What a hit for Sony to be
0: like, oh, you know the Days Gone PC that we're coming out with? By the way, we're not doing a sequel. Yeah. And I only mean that of... For people who may have been interested and been like, "Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this because there's probably a sequel coming, and I just want to play it on PC." It's a weird, regardless of whether that even existed, it's a weird PR hit that I'm sure they didn't
1: expect right before the PC version is coming out. You know, it's just it's it's crazy. <laughs> I think Jason Schreier really threw a wrench in the in the machine with that article.
0: You know what the question becomes though? Huh. The game's about a month away. Is a month long enough time for the gaming community to for their anger to be? basically settled by then and then
1: to just buy it and support all these things anyway i mean even if okay so like if i've never played a game and i hear a sequel's not happening that's not going to dissuade me from playing a game if it's already good true but it
0: may make you go well do i really want to invest all this time in the first one if the second one's not happening anyway and i think that's a person i think think honestly
1: i would have to look up which is harder to do but i'd have to look up to find out if the ending only makes sense if it sets up for a sequel If the ending itself sets up for a sequel and it ends on a cliffhanger or a dime like that, then I'm like, well, you know. Kind of does, actually.
0: Well, It's weird. The story makes sense within itself. Is there a story
1: closure for this one game? Kind of. Okay. But it
0: clearly and strongly
1: sets up another game. That's why you shouldn't do this dumb shit that people do with... (laughs) cliffhangers and stuff like that because like what what was the famous movie that got a cliffhanger i'll give them this or something that didn't happen oh um it was a superhero movie i felt like where the like the, the character was like next time and then that movie just never happened because know. it sold so badly the first time
0: i don't know but i'll tell you this much uh, they Let did us know. if I, it's been a little while since i've played it but if i'm not mistaken the thing that really boldly sets up another game is actually a post-credit like, you know, the, the credits roll, then you're back in the game, and it's a new mission that pops up. So, it's weird, because you don't have to go do it. You can beat okay, the game so, and so roll credits. So, there is closure that doesn't... Yes. Yes. I have a film where you get pissed off when I beat this game now. I'm, I'm pissed because I really want to see where the sequel is taking this, because the extra mission is so interesting, and in what it sets up, that I'm like, dude... I need to know now, which is the point of a cliffhanger. It's like the ending of the order 1886 where you're like, Oh word, what's going to happen next. Yeah. And then you just don't find out. Um, but it's weird because you have to have that. If you don't plant that seed to some degree, I, I don't, I don't want to say that because like uncharted one and two and three and even four don't immediately set up probably actually the one that does the most is uncharted four. Oh, is it 4? I thought it was 3. No, 4 is the one that sets up for another one the most. And it's only, it's not even anything other than just like a wrapping up, but it has the yeah. most potential to be like, "Oh, this could be leading towards yeah, the next one. Yeah, 10 years game. later or But years later All the other games are just self-closed. They don't really end on cliffhangers. You get a nice bow on it and it's done.
1: It doesn't that's, even reference anything else. Honestly, that's how sequels should end. But, I think unless But Marvel
0: and how much they've impacted entertainment. I'll say this though.
1: Marvel themselves you should never attempt what marvel does because no matter what whatever they touch is going to <laughs> <gonna> be gold <laughs> that, that, that stuff's gonna But I think Marvel's impacted up.
0: entertainment in such a way that everyone's like but we got to have that uh, we got to have that last minute post credit thing or that last minute thing that makes people go oh that's i got to find out
1: what the next thing is think about it. god of war did it that's fine if you know these sequels happening. Sure, that's That's true. perfectly fine if you are 100% sure. But you sure. never know,
0: right? Because that
1: game, cause God, think about this. Cory Balrog knew there was going to be a second God of War. God come of War
0: 2018 could have come out and just
1: flopped so that, hard. But you, it could have in <laughs> an, an, an upside down world where we don't live. Yeah. No, Cory Barog knew exactly what was happening. He knew there was going to be a sequel. 100%. Well,
0: and I think Sony typically works under the auspices of there being a sequel. Uh, I, the thing about Days Gone that's weird is I can guarantee you there are people making Days Gone 2 before Days Gone 1 shipped. And I mean that in the, in very basically. Yeah. Either storyboarding or, if it's not storyboarding yet, um, looking at tech and being like, what tech do we want to use? And let's start trying to get that going and working. Because like, one of the things I talked about, early Days for Days Gone, when they decided that they wanted hordes before the story was even completely done, that one of the first things that got working was the horde system. And it was running very quickly in very early days because that's the tech they wanted to build the
1: game around. Okay. Dakey Jakey has a series that's called games that should bang. And it's taking two games and putting them together to make a masterpiece. (laughs) Okay. I did not know this. Days gone. But that sounds great. Days gone. Death Stranding. Bam, bam. Days gone in the uh, Gorilla Engine.
0: Actually, you know what's interesting uh, and- I watched both of the interviews that David Jaffe did with both um John Garvin and Jeff Ross uh who are Je- Jeff Ross was the game director and John Garvin's creative director, yeah, now they're both gone from Ben, so that doesn't really matter anymore um and anything, but he was just kind of talking to him about it, and uh, there was a question that someone gave of like if you had to choose an engine for days gone two, what would you have preferred to do Unreal Engine Five. Uh, or something like Decima, and he actually said that... Decima engine. He it, said it. that as as sexy as uh, Unreal Engine 5 is, and that he there's a lot of cool stuff you can do, he said Decima probably would have been the better choice because it's an engine that they own, and that when things are built for it, they're going forward. Because he's talked about Unreal Engine 4 and 5, and he goes, when you're building a game in Unreal, you're making what you're making, and you're updating that, and then... Epic are making what they're making, and those don't always line up. So Epic's not always improving the engine for the thing you actually want to do. Right. And that's why you get games like uh, Batman Arkham Knight, which didn't upgrade to, uh, to 4, because 4 did not include any of the special tools they had built completely around 3. So like, it makes more sense for us to use our super heavily modified Unreal Engine 3 that we've built specific tools for than it does to go into the next version of Unreal. Right. But yeah, it would have been cool to see uh, Days Gone 2... Adopt the Decima engine if that was the realm they were going to go to. But at the same time, tech debt. All the systems you built for the first game for Unreal Engine are not going to work in Decima day one. That's true. So you suddenly gain a lot more time and development because you have to rebuild these tools in Decima. I mean, it's who knows? It's interesting, but Decima is a very pretty engine. Why
1: is this the next news piece?
0: (laughs) Because it's important. No, it's not. In a time where censorship concerns across the industry run rampant. I mean, that's important. Consoles are set to get another Leisure Suit Larry adventure as Wet Dreams Dry Twice. I love this name. Oh, boy. Because it's super poking fun at games already. I know. Uh, pun It comes, pun intended, to consoles on May 18th. Will its special brand of raunchy humor remain intact in the move from its PC release? Because it's already released last year on PC. To PlayStation and this is important because right now PlayStation is being Terrible. at least from us you Terrible. know from from internet gaming media or internet gaming uh, culture all the people who are media or not uh, are looking at their uh, what they do in terms of censorship and a game like this seems r- easy target to be heavily censored and changed I'm really curious to see the people who are inevitably going to do the comparison to the PC version to the PS4 version and look at what's changed and what's been flat out cut or just changed. I mean, you know, coming from the company that for whatever reason decided to put a big glare over a butt, but then also let you see a full on rough sex scene in another game. (laughs) I mean, (laughs)
1: because it's first party.
0: But regardless, uh, that's interesting. And also I'm going to be honest, literally Larry games are just funny. If you watch the trailer for this, it's hilarious. I, yeah. I kind of half want to play it. I have never liked these games.
1: They're all been just lame.
0: Well, way back in the day, I actually agree, but these games have modernized pretty well with the last one, which if you don't remember, it's, uh, wet dreams don't dry or whatever it was. I don't remember the actual name. And of course we see that played on here. Cause this is like a sequel follow up to it. Um, it was a big because there was a huge gap between the actual last Leisure Suit Larry and then the new one. I think it's got a new developer and a bunch of other things. If you remember, which you may not, Vivendi of all people who ended up rolling into Activision are the people who used to publish the Leisure Suit Larry games. I listen. My experience with these games is seeing them on the shelf at Blockbuster. For a while, they actually had adult-only ratings. Ratings, yeah, which is normally considered the death nail for a game. But if you make these games cheap enough, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like, can you imagine an which it won't happen ever. Can you imagine Sony green lighting a game that they know is going to be rated adult only? It just won't happen. Right. Sony would never do that because it, it, you're very limiting your audience. And I understand that to a degree, uh, weird thing that uh, I ended up seeing because of that stream and never thought of, because I didn't play the PS2 version. Um, the PSP version of siphon filter, dark mirror was rated M The PS2 version was rated teen. Weird. Very weird. But apparently they scaled back some of the blood and some of the fire effects. Because remember in Dark Mirror how you could tase people and set them on fire? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of scaled back the way that works. Which is not how that works. Oh, no. Not at all. Fun as hell in the game? Absolutely. Yes, I was. love that game. I'm probably going to replay it soon, too. I'm telling you, I've been having a, an itching to play some old games. Um, by the way, Rob talked about Ben working on a new IP, and he thought filter would be great, too. I can almost guarantee you they're not making Uh I would love it if so, because there's some great filter games. But, yeah, you know. Uh, John Garvin was talking about the reason they quit making them was because they had made, like, seven of them. He's like, I was just done. I didn't really have anything else to, to that offer. I wanted to do with it. So, interesting nonetheless uh more crossover goodness is happening in the indie sphere as curse of the dead gods brings the curse of the dead cells update letting players play new content inspired by dead cells including iconic weapons a new curse aptly called the curse of the headless a new challenge room featuring dead cells cursed chest and more the update is available now so if
1: you've not played that game and this pushes you towards it there you go hey if anybody watches the video version of this let us know if we're coming off sync a lot i've noticed it three times now Oh, where like it's? Did you see it just there? No, I guess I didn't. Well, was, it was on my mouth when I was talking, but it was like my mouth opened and everything paused for like one second, and then it, it went off sync and then went right back. It's well, real the sync weird. is a
0: little different on this TV because the input on the the, no, the no, actual delay on this TV is worse than like my monitor.
1: It's not. It's not a. It's not delay like that. It's. It, it looks like we're getting off sync, and it's happened a couple of times because I monitor our video a lot. Let us
0: know how stupid we look. Yeah. <laughs> next thing up, Subnautica Below Zero received a new cinematic trailer giving us a look into the sequel's Frozen Tundra before it releases next month on May 14th. Saul often talks about Subnautica being like his big fear
1: game. Yep. Um, did you see the trailer for this? Nope. <laughs> you know what's weird is I'm it's downloading it on PS5 and I was curious to see if there's any PS5 updates to the game, which is not, but I didn't think so. um it has better load times because it takes about 5 minutes loading the world. Woo! Even on PS5 it still takes like 3 something. But it still has bugs and problems. So I I it's just always a curious question, why are you making a sequel if like your first game is still broken?
0: Money to go back and fix a game versus Maybe. to do a new one. I mean it, it's always that balance, I think. Yeah.
1: Um that's a, that's what a lot of the a lot of the community is kind of pissed off at them. Um just because well, of cause that.
0: The, the argument is, do you do you do a better job at fixing those bugs in a new game and not having to waste? Because if you're if it did well enough to warrant a sequel, but there's still some problems going back. It's kind of just it's it's one of those things where small teams have that problem more. Now, a big question for a lot of people just while we're on topic of that. Do you remember that the Steam version of Nier Automata is like super broken?
1: Uh, Yeah. Launch, it was right. Okay, was it no, still no it, it still is. Okay. Now, here's
0: the crazy part the version that came out to uh game pass on pc and the epic game store version i think maybe i know it's a, for sure the microsoft version is not broken does not have the same problems but it's a pc release so people were like why is the pc version for xbox fine and you've still done nothing for the steam version and it got such a big outcry that people legitimately had to go in and or, or that square had to come back and say we're gonna fix the steam version finally but the weird part about that is that that's a game that sold well over five million copies why would you not take the budget to go back and be like hey, we're going to make the actual pc version of this game work instead of just building an entirely new version of the pc one
1: i think the difference with that though is is that this game was in early access for so long and then officially True. launched True. Yeah. like less than two years ago it was like a year ago wasn't it like a year and a half ago maybe. i'm gonna say two sounds right but it was in
0: early access for a lot longer before that yeah Either way, sequel's coming, and hopefully they don't have the same problems. That's really what it comes down to. Um, Always with that, like, you know, one of the big things about Days Gone that was impressive is that Sony did support the game. They wanted to make sure that the game was in a playable state for everybody. And that's always... Um, um... Which I will tell you, if you are interested in game development at all, just weird things about how decisions are made and things that go down, both of the John Garvin and Jeff Ross interviews with Jaffe are super interesting. They're really fun to watch. They bring up a lot of things about that game and different things. One of the things being that they actually didn't know how broken the game was going to be for people because apparently it was a system-by-system basis. He was saying that they had a base PS4 running the game. Basically flawlessly. Maybe the occasional hiccup for frame rate or something, but not the issues that some people had yeah. were like falling through the level or whatever. And he said that when they sent it out to reviewers is when that first became a thing because some reviewers could play the whole game with very little issue. And some reviewers were having massive issues day one. He said the problem was is that they weren't easily re- like replicable. It's almost like you needed to have the machine it happened on to understand why. So what they did is they went back and just made a decision to break the game up into smaller data chunks so that it would seek and stream differently so that even the worst PS4, be it dust involved in it or different hardware inside as little revisions are made can run perfectly. And that kind of stuff is really interesting, but only if I guess you're really into the way that game design works, because it's crazy to think that the game was working perfectly for them and not for other people. So Is what it is. Uh, PS5 owners may have noticed an update for their DualSense this past week, and it appears that the update has made the controller's vibrations and more pop. (laughs) You almost got me, Saul. When playing PS4 games through backward compatibility. By nature of the difference of the tech driving the vibration, DualSense has to use haptic motors, if you remember, to basically replicate the old rumble motors that were in the DualShock uh, 4. So... Now, when you're playing these games, PS4 games specifically, you'll notice uh, people were talking about the Ratchet & Clank reboot, playing it, and that before this update happened, it was kind of really weak, and now it's really responsive. Um, That's one of those cool things about when tech moves over, you're trying to replicate old things. This is basically emulation of vibration through a completely different vibration method. Yeah, Um, And sometimes it's not perfect day one, because you just got to do what you can. Um, Now, here's something that I want to bring up. This was not in the patch notes anywhere. And this has happened so many times with Sony where they introduce features and they just don't put them in the patch notes at all. And they just want people to randomly figure it out. And I've never understood that. And this goes to talk about a lot of things. Sony right now has probably had two of the worst PR weeks for them, at least in the big gaming internet or the gaming internet sphere. And they have not said a word. They, Sony just does not talk about anything ever. And I know like they were talking, there's always that viewpoint. We've even said to ourselves, let the things that you do speak for themselves. The PS5 spoke for itself. The games that are coming out on PS5 speak for themselves. Yeah, that's true. But dude, when you have Xbox and all these other companies being super on the nose, being like, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what we want to do. Oh, you didn't like this. This is the way we feel about it. And this is what we're going to do to fix it. Um, Sony doesn't talk, and sometimes it's the right choice because I do think that sometimes people are upset about something that doesn't matter, and maybe the argument exists that the day's gone stuff doesn't matter. But it is kind of like sometimes you're you're take, by commenting, you're starting and you're you're starting a conversation you can't win. Yeah, like you're always going to be losing no matter what you say, and maybe that's the way it goes, but. Why on something as simple as this being like, oh, by the way, now your controller on PS4 games will, will vibrate more realistically to the DualShock 4?
1: Just tell us that. What the hell, dude? Yeah, it's 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 I don't I don't know. It's
0: kind of fun, I guess, it, but it's not. <sighs> It is, but only for people who are actually going to bother looking at the news or screwing around on their system. Because yeah. the only reason that you know these things is because either you experience them. Like, this is at least pretty easy to experience and be like, wow, this feels different than it did last week.
1: Also, I rolled my eyes when I turned my PS5 on to see that I have to connect a USB-C con- uh, Why cable. Why can that
0: not be done wirelessly? Yeah, like, that feels
1: so weird. I, I was like, okay, I don't have a cable for that right now because I don't have, I, I charge it via my dock.
0: Data can be transferred over Bluetooth. These are Bluetooth controllers. Send could, the damn data. Could not the
1: Xbox, didn't the Xbox initially update to where you could do it wirelessly?
0: I don't know. Day 1 cuz it's been so long day yeah. 1 you could not. Yeah. I don't remember now. If the, I mean, I'll probably look and see. It's been so long since there's been one.
1: I don't know if you have to plug it in or not. But Also, I, I just want to Bluetooth. Butt. Come on, guys. I want to butt in before we get to the last thing. I'm going to go wild today. I'm going to try Hawaiian pizza for the first time. Bro. Let's do this. I'm going to put jalapenos on it too, though. Make it spicy sweet and So, okay. I've never tried Hawaiian pizza. I have
0: a long time ago.
1: Is it good? Y'all like it? Yeah. So we're Team Hawaiian. Oh, I mean, I don't,
0: I don't remember if I'm being dead honest. Okay. I don't like pineapple all that much, so I want to say I also don't like Canadian bacon all that much. So I feel like Hawaiian what? pizza across the board. I don't like it by itself. Oh. Like if it's in a, if well, who, it's in like
1: a big meat pizza, that's fine. Who orders Canadian bacon pizzas with oh, only Canadian bacon? You would Answer be surprised this in the comments. You would discord. be surprised. Also, while we're on top of pizza, uh, I want to have a fun little thing we could do. Pizza Hut only only pizza hut or only things applicable at pizza hut
0: buy us pizza hut
1: <laughs> hit us hit us up in discord with your favorite wild and i don't want somebody like oh yeah i get like Ham and, and turkey. I want a wild pizza topping combination. I want some like you use a barbecue sauce as the sauce. Or you put all kinds of other toppings on there. What is your favorite custom pizza? Pizza and we we're will gonna, make them. We're going to do so. Yeah.
0: First of all, we always do this when we get together. So if you send us those, we will record it. We will bring the pizzas
1: in here. We'll we'll
0: record I, us taste testing them.
1: We. Uh, you know what could be even more fun. Live, live on Twitch, right? Blindfold test test. And then you got to figure out, you got to give us a name of the a list of the people who, who made it. We have to guess out of which one of our Discord people made this pizza. Okay. That would be fun. Let us know how you think about that. But that would be fun because we already do pizza.
0: Why not have some extra fun with it?
1: Let's. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. Let's blow through this last part because this nobody, last one is, nobody is cares about yeah.
0: Cyberpunk. Uh, despite the controversy surrounding Cyberpunk 2077, and I think the reason I even put this in here is I think it speaks to the episode as a whole, which is always something we've said a few times. The greater gaming market is so different. And I would argue we're, we, the core gaming market is disconnected from the majority of the gaming market. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're always wrong or they're always right or anything like that. But despite the controversy surrounding Cyberpunk 2077 across gaming communities on social media, CD Projekt Red posted record sales revenues of $562 million, more than four times what the company reported in 2019, and more than two and a half times their previous record of $210 million in 2015, alongside the launch of Witcher 3 a bottom line record was also set with a net profit of 303 million again more than tripling the 2015 record of 89.8 million all this from cyberpunk a game that released in december and had a very limited time on the market to make these gains when compared to the witcher 3 which released in may of 2015 and had months and months to sell to make the numbers that they got that year that's a big thing because I think a lot of people, if you look at gaming media and, and and social media around gaming, you would have thought that CD Projekt Red was in trouble right now. And it turns out the reality is no. This game, even without being on the PS uh, Digital store, store,
1: is still sold well enough that they've made more money than they've ever made. So I think that there's a good reason behind this, and that's because people with high-end PCs didn't have problems with this game as much. And Stadia got, surprisingly... Cyberpunk was a big Stadia game. Who was it that was just talking to us about Stadia? Rob
0: Henry. Yeah, okay. And he actually said he got the one with Cyberpunk. And I know a lot of people said if you don't have the money, and definitely right now it's hard to build a big gaming PC that's powerful, if you don't have yeah, it, the best the, the next best thing was Stadia. That makes sense because it's I mean It was stable and it had a lot of the graphical features, not all of them, but yeah. a lot of them. Um Could you, I wanna figure I wonder if Stadia has DSLL. You know, I don't know actually it would make sense if it did. I think that stadia didn't have ray tracing. It may now, but it didn't at launch for sure. So, I mean, I don't think either way, it's interesting to say this game did really well. Now, if you remember, I want to say that this game before it even released had 8 million pre orders, which is wild. That's huge. Man, is that huge. And I know that the budget for cyberpunk was probably big how big it's hard to say it's cheaper to make games in certain areas. This is a smaller team, a smaller studio in all reality. Um, cause I'm sure that some people would say record sales of 562 million. Doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot of money <laughs> in a single year when I wouldn't be surprised if the overall budget of, um, cyberpunk was less than 200 million. And I mean, it's probably, I would really be curious to see what the budget is. We'll probably never know. Um, but with them being a smaller place and the way they are, um, it wouldn't surprise me if the budget was even closer to a hundred million, which some of these big games like The Last of Us Two, from what people are saying, people in the industry who have some connections, they're hearing up to
1: about two hundred million for a game, which is a, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um It's I mean it's crazy, but like at the same time, I think that the core Group of gamers the the this, that sounds so cringy to just say, but the core group of gamers who are in and out of news all day all day every day who are putting in forty hours of games every two weeks or so, you know I think that that's where you know like what Brent was saying is how it is kind of disconnected, but at the same time, I think that's the most important ones because typically and and this this could be a community's take one time or one day since where I have this, but I'm curious, does a game get fixed because the core gamers or because the casual gamers.
0: It really is the ultimate, yeah. Because
1: yeah. I, you would think a casual gamer would either accept the game for the bugs or not play it. Yeah, because casual because gamers not don't as, care. They're not in the news the same about way. About thirty versus sixty, or, or frame rate drops, <sighs> well, or
0: you know what I think it probably is. The, the answer is probably that it's somewhere in the middle. But what's the, what's, what's the, the heavier split? Yeah, what's the like? What's split the there? sixty forty or seventy thirty? What is it? Yeah, uh, and is it more heavily leaned towards the casuals because you want them to see your name and be like, oh, the next game will be. Even better. Because, like, you know, you have just as much reason to satiate the people who are yelling at you potentially or just vocally complaining that there's an issue. You have a reason to want to fix the game for them. But even more so, you have a reason to want to look at the guy who just went to the shelf and saw, Days Gone, this looks cool. I don't know really much about it, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try it out. Yeah, oh, it's got a motorcycle. That's cool. I love Sons of Anarchy. I want to play this. I love Ride Band. of Retribution. Or, or, <laughs> or Ride to Hell. What was what was Retribution, Ride to Hell? Yeah. Ride to Hell Retribution. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway... So, you know, the people who are like that, if they get it day one and it's kind of busted up and they're having issues and then you patch it and then they're suddenly like, oh, the game works and I'm having a good time with it. They have more reason to see a Days Gone 2 or maybe recognize Ben to studio and then be like, ah, I really like Days Gone and they fixed that game. I have more faith in them putting out a better game next time. Um, but I don't know, man. You know, that's really a good question. I would wonder the studies on all these different things... Um, if they could even put one out there about what the difference would be. Oh man. Well, are you looking at ride to hell retributions? Metacritic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just y'all go read some of the reviews. on Can we take a quick second to, I can't read it out loud. I'm
0: curious your thoughts on this. Okay. I am starting to question the value of Metacritic.
1: Absolutely. Like the whole the 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 whole point of Metacritic is to is to go there and look at how nonsensical some of the people's writing reviews are and, well, and, and and leave. Even if you look at its real thing, right? The point of being an aggregate. Well the point of being an aggregate is weird because if
0: people just go to Metacritic and look at it, the problem is that people who make bogus reviews, even real journalists who are Metacritic certified or whatever, will still make reviews that I think are ultimately bogus or not completely true to or what the game for, is. Or... Um, you have all these things, and it can really impact the aggregate. And then people will look at it and say, Days Gone has an aggregate of, what is it, 72 or 76, something? 76, I thought. It might be 76, but it's in the 70s. And they'll go, well, maybe it's not really worth my money. Well, the problem is, is when you have, and I don't, I'm not joking here, when you have reviewers who are saying, um, another a straight white male and of course as a straight white male i'm not trying to complain in that what i mean is i don't know what that review has to do with anything it doesn't have to do with the game you're looking at this and you're trying to apply these things that don't really completely go anywhere and you're also doing an unfair argument because the reality of it is if you have a review that says here's a game with another straight white male uh and it's it's whitewashed that means that first of all you didn't get far enough in the game. And could you say, arguably, yeah, you want to try and be more diverse early on? Sure. But the reality is, is if you beat that game, which I think is a good, good argument to the fact that the reviewers didn't beat the game, you get to a bunch of different people. You get to Ricky. You get to, and I, I don't remember every one of their names, to be honest. They're all straight been white males. been a while. Spoiler alert. But there's a, there is, no, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of white people in the game. Okay? And I really liked what John Garvin said in his interview. He said, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing so much as you write what you know. He's like, you know, and what I know is the experience of being a a white man. He goes, it wasn't purposeful as much as it just kind of happened. But at the same time, we have women who are of Hispanic descent. There's a lesbian relationship in that game. Uh, There's a black military leader in that game. So these things happen. So what are you doing there, buddy?
1: I'm hiding from the rage. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that you're going to get. <laughs> oh, hey, send all the rage you want to. But my point being is I think that the reviews are not accurate to the game. Uh, even if you didn't like the game, I think that's fine. But if your review is based upon that, uh, then that seems weird. That doesn't really seem accurate to anything. Uh, there's a point in the game where Deacon does a apprehensible thing, but by the end of the game, it's clear that he is not the same guy who would make that decision and thinks differently about it. I just think that looking at a game from that standpoint doesn't mean that these reviews are accurate. So what does Metacritic really... Really gain because if the if the score is going down because of bogus reviews of people who maybe didn't even finish the game, uh, what is the value? I think it makes more sense for develop for people to just look at their own places and and say. This is a reviewer I like, and I tend to agree with him, and he lines up with me, and I can get the real thoughts from him, and it be about the game, and okay, I'm going to make my decision based off of this, than it does looking at an aggregate and never reading any of the reviews so much as just looking at a total score, and I think part of the reason that goes towards my argument there is oftentimes games like this have very drastically different user scores. Uh, you know, the, the user score for Days Gone, I think, is in the 80s,
1: um, It's something. It's it is a difference. I don't like Metacritic though, just for the fact of what it is. Like for me, I prefer to get to know a reviewer. So Metacritic right now it's going down two points. It 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 was literally it was seventy three. Okay, either way, it's it's seventy one.
0: It's seventy one right now. It's got a user score of eight point three. That's a pretty big difference, and I think that if I think this game getting a critical, which also I think reviewers as a whole are, are somewhat disconnected from even core gamers like us. I don't I don't personally think that reviewers quite nailed this game, partially because they play the game that was broken at launch. And well, that's a strong argument. But and,
1: and and I think that in terms of game reviews, that there has to be a change to the format in terms of updated game reviews. And in that is that I IGN actually does this and it does it pretty well. Updates their game review. Well it's 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 review in progress. And it's Yes. Yeah. And it's for games as a service or stuff like this, they they, they put their initial thoughts out of how this game is and then they'll eventually update it into the game's lifespan. Yeah. Which for games as a service makes perfect sense. Yeah. But sometimes with games like this and No Man's Sky needs it as well
0: well see because i'd argue like right if you if this game was either broken or you and so broken that you needed to wait and get the new review patch that they sent out to everyone that was better and that's what you needed to finish it you shouldn't have put out a review day one and i know that that's hard because you're fighting it's impossible for
1: websites yeah
0: but to some degree i feel like that's how you do it what you do is hey Initial feelings of the game, this is what it is, based off of my current experience. There's a patch coming that's supposed to fix the that's problem I'm having. You know that there's
1: a patch coming, though, which I'm not sure if day one people
0: knew. Uh, reviewers did. And actually, oh, okay. uh, Jeff Ross talked about it. That they, asked, they they sent out new code and asked people to play it before they actually put the review out. But they can't control that. And that's the reality. But I think the responsible way to handle this is say, um, right now, if you're worried about the game day one, maybe don't buy it. Because it, what my current experience is, is this. We can't have a full review of the of the full you know the the closest day one patch right now but this is my current thoughts and we're gonna update it once we've played a little bit more or once I've finished it you know if you're saying I've, I've played eight hours of the game but I can't finish it due to a game breaking bug or due to game breaking performance issues I will come back to it and finish it up now there's a ton of things the reality of that's hard there's other games that need to be reviewed and you need to go on and you can't constantly spend time replaying a game just because it was broken but here, here, I, it goes back to my point of I think, I think Metacritic's importance
1: is um, even within the industry itself is over-relied on. It's that way for everything too. Just the same for movies um, like Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, but here's, here's what I would recommend everybody do. This is my preferred way for reviews for games. Find a reviewer that you vibe with and that, that has similar opinions to you in terms of what they look for in games. Once you find them, if you need a review, go to them. If they mention problems with a game... Then go cast a wide net on the user side, not critic side, the user side of Metacritic, just to see how widespread these problems really are. Sometimes with games, Days Gone is a great example. Some people have problems, some people don't. But then with the user score, you're going to have to weed through crap like, oh, this game's not coming to Wii U, Zero kind of reviews <laughs> but you're gonna get good reviews in there from from there are users who literally they they, they spend a part-time job for just a hobby writing user scores Dude, some Re- some user, user reviews.
0: reviews are better than real reviews yes. I, I, and, I, I mean even written like i'm like wow this guy should be an actual writer because yeah, this is and so much better written. honestly
1: they do that too probably to get a good portfolio up for when they want to go work for probably like yeah. game spotter ign but anyways i'm hungry we're gonna go get pizza you guys... Our community's take Yeah, well, is, hold on. Hold on. You, I just want to make
0: sure that you're bringing it back up.
1: You guys can find us across a, a good old different little bits of social media. You can go to Twitter at triangle dot... No, there's no dot. Triangle <laughs> S-Q-R-D. You can find our Discord in the link description. We have a Facebook page called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It's a group you can uh, ask to be in, and we allow everybody to join in. As well as uh, the, our YouTube channel that you guys are either watching us on or podcast services. Uh, across all podcast services uh, that if you find us great if that place has a review system or a rate system please give us a review or rating uh that you feel was necessary uh, i don't care if it's a like or dislike same goes for youtube and we like to get involved with our community and we do that through community's take and this week we are going to steal rude days is uh, a great guy And he is, just to kind of reiterate that, he's asking, were you a PlayStation gamer at the time of the 2011 hack? It's 10 years old now. He wants to know, how did it affect your day-to-day habits? Did it affect your confidence in the brand of PlayStation or Sony? And did you feel if they did a good enough job responding to the situation and making it up to the users? On the flip side, if you weren't a PlayStation fan, or if you did not have a PlayStation at the time, did you know that it was happening? I'm sure you did, but... Did you think about it when you decided to delve deep into the PlayStation family? I have some thoughts on that that I'll share next week, and I hope to hear all y'alls as well. And last and not least, this show is brought to you guys by us and, of course, all of you great Patreon people who like to support the show. As I mentioned earlier, podcasting has a lot of hidden costs and fees into it that you don't really think about. RSS feeds, equipment upkeep, light upkeep, camera upkeep, all kinds of stuff that you don't really realize is going to be a money hole when you first start it and with the helps of you guys um (laughs) and other things in 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 world in the world uh that's what really helps us keep keeps us going so i wanted to send a special thank you out to all of our patrons i know brett loves them all as a matter of fact brett every episode at the end of every episode we'll say your name and uh we're gonna go eat pizza um I'm not gonna let you guys forget though. If you hit us up with a Pizza Hut combinations uh, or pizza or Domino's combinations, anything yeah. you could do at Domino's. But this has been episode 208 of Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. We'll see you guys back for episode 209. Thank you. Thanks, guys, and a
0: huge shout out to our patrons: Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean sanderud Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson. Blake Popest, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, a new patron this month. Thank you, Bailey. Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Rob Warppoint, Richard Schaefer, and our new other one this month, Ham and Egger. thanks guys and again head over to patreon.com slash nartech if you want to join your fellow people here on this great patronage